spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I and just I'm said it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. I mean, he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. Oh, baby. Let's do a live on a Game Week Monday edition of the program. Bo and the boys with you for the next three hours. Austin in about 45 minutes or so. Two a days on the Browns and the Steelers. Good Lord. What a brutal Saturday for the Browns from a kicking standpoint and an injury standpoint um we will get to that in the 10 o'clock hour of the program um you have that to look forward to which is very very nice jake will join us at 11 30 or 10 30 rather on that what we learned this weekend we blitz the weekend as well um it's a game week kids I, you got to go back to 15 to be in a spot where you don't know who the quarterback is on the monday before a game on a saturday that's where you are right now as a buckeye fan is is you don't know who it is um my hunch is they're not exactly sure who it is. The The way that I understand it, and I, I, I think I'll be curious to see how Ryan Day handles it this week because he is available tonight on the roundtable, which you can listen to right here on the fan, and then his presser is tomorrow at noon. So the question will be, my hunch would be that he talks about it tonight and says what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't think that he will – he knows who's starting. My hunch is it'll be Kyle McCord. Uh, he's been here three years. I think both will play. Um, I think both will play evenly. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Kyle McCord will be the starter at Notre Dame, but I do think he will start the game in Bloomington on, on Saturday afternoon. My hunch is that Ryan Day would announce that tonight on Roundtable. That's, that's my hunch, how this thing will go. That would be the timeline of it. Um, what does it mean in terms of the season big picture? Well, it's a different way of going about a season. We haven't had one of these in a while. The last time we did it, as I mentioned, was 2015. That was a mess. That was an absolute mess. Um, that one was different from this one for many, many reasons. Most especially the fact is it was a defending national champion that was absolutely loaded that had a ton of obligation on its head coach to make a bunch of veteran players who came back happy, namely Braxton Miller, namely Cardale Jones. There was a lot going on in 2015. And anytime anybody talks about doing a 30 for 30 on the 14 run to the national title, I'm like, no, nah, the, the 30 for 30 is the, 15 team and everything that was going on around it. And this isn't that. Um, these are two guys with very little experience. Obviously, Kyle's played one game, but it was two years ago. And quite frankly, I don't know how many of you out there can even remember it. I didn't. I had forgotten that he did it until we started talking about all this last spring. Um, I, I want to say somebody on social tweeted me and was like, well, he did start the Akron game. <sighs> okay, if you say so. 
if that's fine, but it's been so long. Um, that was two years ago. So you're going to get a, a fresh face one way or another, whether it's it's Kyle or Devin. My hunch is it'll be Kyle. My hunch is you'll see both. I don't think it will be an every other series thing. Ryan was a quarterback, of course, in college uh, at New Hampshire. My hunch is they at least get a couple of series each and then maybe go with feel as they get into the second half. Um, but I do think we'll have an answer, fellas, tonight in terms of who the starter will be. I don't think you can do roundtable and answer the que- and answer questions and not have an answer to it. And I don't think he's going to go into the game on Saturday with like they did in 15 at Virginia Tech with like not knowing until the first series. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case. And as you kind of mentioned, the difference in 15 was like, at least we knew what we were getting with JT Barrett and Cardale Jones. Like mm-hmm. we had seen those guys play, so we knew a lot about them. With these quarterbacks, that's the thing. People are like, oh, who do you think's going to end up being the starter? I don't know. I guess I'm like the coaches. I need to see it in a game at this point. But unlike the coaches, too, I have not seen it in practice. They've at least seen it in practice. But, yeah, these guys going in, I don't even really know what to expect. Like, is anything going to be different from either one being in? Like, what is it going to look like? We just are going to have to wait and see with this game. But I I like the idea, too, uh, of going, like, at least a couple of series each time a guy goes out there. So there's a little bit of a rhythm and a little bit of continuity out there. And I don't know if they're going to try to do any sort of quarters things or anything. But every other possession is just not conducive to do it yeah no a win. good offense There's no win there no we'll get to the irish uh i think in the oh next boy, segment but i feel like for indiana who did a lot of portal popping in the preseason and then with western kentucky and youngstown state it's like sure those are live game reps and I, i'm using air quotes here but are they any better than ohio state's ones on the defense like what's the better look you mean uh, indiana yeah yeah. And oh, Western no, no. Kentucky and Youngstown oh, oh, oh. State. So oh, the point no, of no. like they want to get them game reps, sure, that's plausible. But it's just if you've got nobody flying yeah. at you because your offensive line's just better and you're able to sit back there and make a sandwich before you have to make a read, who's gonna like who's gonna show yeah. themselves out in any like tangible way coming out of Indiana or coming out of you're, Western Kentucky or Youngstown State? It's fair. Here's what you want as a coach. You want the layups to be layups. That's really it. So Saturday in Bloomington, whichever of these two players allows for the layups to be layups, the simple reads to be simple, to not miss the guys running free. Because remember in a Ryan Day offense, you run free all day long. So which one of these two guys hits Marv in stride, hits Emeka in stride, that's the guy who's going to win the job at South Bend. Um, and I, I do think your, your point is valid, that in other, going up against this defense every single day in practice – ought to give you a pretty good feel for who has more plays. I think it can also give you a little bit of a false sense of hope. Um, everything that I've heard a little bit about what is going on here, that Devin maybe has a little bit more of an it to him, that he jumps off a little bit more. Well, that could be something where if they're scramble plays, if if you're trying to overcome Ohio State's incredible advantages that they have defensively, that some of the thriving in chaos, for lack of a better phrase, comes from being just a touch more athletic, a touch bigger arm, like those type of things. But does that translate to when you play Notre Dame? That that we won't know. And until we play Notre Dame. You won't know until you play Notre Dame. I mean, that's just the, the, the short answer of this is there are three huge tests on this schedule. I think there are three teams. You, you play three top ten teams this year. I can say that after watching the Irish. We'll get to them in a second. You play three top ten teams this year. You play Notre Dame, you play Penn State, and you play Michigan. Penn State might have its best team. If Drew Aller is what people say, 
They may have their best team since what? Mid-2000s? At least Saquon. Yeah, Saquon for sure. But, I mean, even a higher end in terms of an ability to throw it down the field with Aller than they had with McSorley or Clifford. So you got that, and this is Harbaugh's best team. So you got three top ten teams you got to play. You got to be ready to go, and you're going to get a welcome at the end of the month in South Bend. That's a lock. So you got to be good to go. I do think what you will get, at least in Indiana, you know, it is something to do it with it, it, even though it'll be a pro Buckeye crowd, just tens of thousands of people there. Officials, clock, game day operation. How do you handle all of that? That that's what you're going to get out of the next three games. You're not going to get any sort of a test. That's why I go back to what I said, fellas. Are the layups layups? Whichever one of these two guys for Sam Hartman Saturday in Dublin, the layups were layups. For one of these two over the next three weeks. The layups need to be layups. And I, I heard uh, bids on with Bob this morning, and I agree with him and I agree with Bob. I don't necessarily think it's going to be the Michigan thing where split, you get a game, you get a game. I, I think that they're probably more in line of Western Kentucky, you got a starter, and he plays the game, and then you get the Notre Dame game. I don't think you're going to be, you get a game, you get a game. My hunch is it'll be different. I think both play this weekend. Maybe both play the next weekend by Western Kentucky. You go. That's unfortunate. And by the way, rest assured, this is not what Ryan Day wanted. He wants no part of this. None. And but you, that's what I think is going to be the best operation. Now, you still might see both against Western Kentucky just because the game might get out of hand and they'll, they'll flip the quarterbacks out. But it will. Sure. Yeah, it'd be, I get not what you're really. saying. That it would feel more like a, a starter is in there and they take care yeah. of business and then other guys get a chance to play. I think also, and Reese, you're right about like the Ohio State defense is definitely better players, but there's still just something that you can't recreate in practice. You know, you can simulate that it's a third down or you can simulate that this is a red zone period, but it's not the same as, hey, it's third and three and we need three yards or else we're punting to Indiana and going out and being the quarterback that can execute in those kind of things can actually finish the drive once you do get yeah. inside the 20 and, you know, you don't just get seven plays in there like you would run you know t- seven ten plays whatever they would run in practice to see oh this many times he threw a touchdown it's you you have your actual set of downs so i think that's just something you can get hit they, right that's another thing and you were talking about like the it factor like you can also scramble more like quarterbacks get blown dead so quickly yeah, in practice just because it's like oh get the hand on him and it's like okay we're, we're done we're not putting any bodies around him but that kind of stuff doesn't happen so yeah is there going to be a guy who's going to have more escapability and keeps plays going I think physically both of them with the way Ohio State recruits what we know about them from recruitment they're like I don't have any I don't have any questions about whether they're going to be able to go out there and and execute from from that standpoint but like you said make the layups layups because there's enough talent that as long as you execute this offense effectively it should be really really good that's it. It's we don't need you don't need Braxton Miller. You don't need Justin Fields. You really need like junior year JT Barrett. Right? I mean, even as a freshman when JT got thrust in for Braxton, he was running all the time. Like you don't really need that. You just need a point guard, right? I mean, a little bit of CJ Stroud. I mean, you just as a his first year, like just hit open people. <laughs> so when I say like layups or layups. Folks, you talk to people in the NFL, you talk to people around the sport, there are, there are two guys who scheme it up better than anybody else. One's Lincoln Riley and the other one's Ryan Day. And they put quarterbacks in such an advantageous position on a down-in, down-out basis that all you have to do is take what's there. And that's all this guy has to do, whichever one, whether it's Kyle or Devin, 
the layups need to be layups. And I think you'll know that. You'll know which one's better at that by 8 o'clock Saturday night. I think that feels like a lock to me, that you'll know which one's better at the layups. Um, geez, sad day out of me. We got I just got the schedule for sixth grade NBC's team. 3.30 kick Saturday. Ooh. Awful. What Awful. sadist? <sighs> In the state of Ohio, moved. looks at oh, them and so, says, we got to do I'm this. I'm so angry. And it's Labor Day weekend, for God's sakes. And they're hitting me with a 3.30 Saturday kick Which in m- sixth grade football. Like, it's an embarrassment. Means they're going to miss this live. Oh. I hadn't looked at the, the schedule too closely until, like, now we're in game week. And I, I saw it last week. But I didn't realize. I knew it was a 3.30 kick. I didn't realize it was CBS. So the first Big Ten yeah. CBS game is Ohio State. All right. Here we are. Well, the eye gets welcomed. The eye gets welcomed into uh, in, into the Big Ten with a Eddie died at Bloomington. There you go, boys. There's our big winner for you. It's a big win for us at Channel Ten. Yeah, you want the Buckeyes in, in Indiana? You get it yeah. three times this year, possibly four if they make there the Big go. Ten title. There you go. That's a huge win. Uh, I have absolutely nothing I want to do in Indiana. It's my favorite drop of all time. I feel like that every time when I would go in there. It's absolutely brutal. Um, speaking of Indiana. Uh, the team from South Bend's good. We'll get into that. There's a lot to get to here on the program today. Week one of college football. feels like we're going to get uh, Pete Thamelis reporting this morning on uh, the ACC um, warming to expansion. We'll get you the details on that as well. Lots to get to on the NFL side of things. Cutdown day is tomorrow by around 5 o'clock. You're going to have to have some cutdowns. The Browns already have made a trade. That was yesterday. Lots to get to. We're off and running on a Monday edition. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Mm-hmm. If you say something with enough confidence, it must be true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And Bishop and Friends is sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast sustainable weight loss without medications. The solution for weight loss, Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Um, so, Channel 10, 3.30, Saturday. We were, we were, we talked about this before with Dom. So 98 was the last time that was against West Virginia. That was the last time Ohio State was on CBS. That was the first HD game. Um, that's like a game of legend because I'm pretty sure Channel 10 had like one of the few HD trucks. And so they, I'm pretty sure they produced it last Dom tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure that's right. But Chops, you were finding in the research that it's even more rare than that that they'd been on CBS. Yeah. So this is from Buckeyes now, the fan nation site on Sports Illustrated, and they were just looking. Through it, all they played with the note that they did play on CBS Sports Network in 2014, that CN yeah. opener against Navy. But yeah, the 98 game at West Virginia before that, 1987 at LSU, which was a tie. So it goes back far enough that there were still ties. That's how long it's been. So essentially, one game on CBS, that 98 one at West Virginia in 35 years. Played regularly on CBS in the 80s, in the 80s. games every year. Yeah. That was previous, so that was right around that Supreme Court decision in the mid-80s when you could be on, there was a ruling you could only be on once a year. Um, so, like, you'd be on, like, against Michigan, but that was it. Um, so, it'd be those type of games that would happen. It would start to open up by the time you got to the mid-80s, but that's unbelievable. Twice in 35 years, you were on on uh, on the ice. So, that, that'll be fun for, uh, for us here at Channel 10, certainly at the Mothership. Listen, I got news for you. Notre Dame's got a dude at quarterback. He's, he's, I thought he was sensational 
You heard what I said about the Buckeyes. Layups be layups. Every single one of them was a layup for him. He was so comfortable, so calm. He should be. He's 24. <laughs> he played five years at Wake Forest. <laughs> and with the COVID year, he's got a sixth year. He's 24 years old. Um, we, we stumbled into this a couple of weeks ago. Like, if you knew what you knew now, um, as, as Ryan Day, like, would you take Hartman for one year with this roster? Um, it's a, it's probably a $3 million question because that's probably the NIL situation it would be. Um, but anybody who watched him play at Wake knew that he was a dude, knew that he was very, very good. He showed up at Notre Dame. He made an instant impact in the offseason and he made an instant impact in the opener. They are not, they do not have the skill positions that Ohio State does, obviously, at receiver. They had a true freshman running at one point. They had the Notre Dame transfer was uh, in at running back from time to time, um, and he looked pretty impressive. But this was mostly about Hartman. Their defense is going to be good. I'm trying to think. Best, most competent Notre Dame quarterback since Brady, probably. And I really, people are saying Jimmy Clausen is something I saw, too. I think, yeah, Clawson was a second round pick. Um, Hartman doesn't have like the physical traits where he's going to be like a high draft pick, but he's like a professional college quarterback is what he is. And he's ready made. And whatever, I'll tell you this, like whatever you throw at him, he will be ready for it in, in that game on the 23rd. He's going to be absolutely be ready for it. I'm completely convinced of that. I'm completely convinced Notre Dame's a top 10 team in the country. They're going to be that certainly by the time we play them. They're Tennessee State at NC State Central Michigan. I think they win all three of those games. Um, remember Hartman, just for perspective, and I understand many of you out there aren't watching Wake Forest football. I get it. Um, but I'm pretty, didn't they play for an ACC title in one of his years there? And Didn't they play like a pit in a ACC title in a weird be. year. I think that, yeah, could be. I think like that in was a picket, a Kenny Pickett year yeah. or something like that. Feels like it. Um, but he's the all time leading passer in the history of the ACC. So yeah, he's had a lot of snaps, too. a lot of snaps, and he looked it on Saturday to me. Yeah, he looked really good. I think obviously it helps, and you know, I'm not like taking away from him, but yeah, he has a better offensive line than he's ever seen at Wake Forest in this Notre Dame offensive line, which may be one of the best offensive lines in the country right now. They've got some dudes on there. You, you know, you saw the run game early in the game that that was working for him too. That's going to take some pressure yeah. off of Hartman. He gets to sit back there. He's well protected, and yeah, you don't know when it's going to go. Uh, as far as like who he's got to throw to, it does look like that Jaden Greathouse, that freshman, that he, okay, you hit on that recruit, at least through one looks game. Looks like it. it. Looks good. Now only three receptions, but he goes for 68 yards, and two of the three receptions were for touchdowns. Can't ask for much better of a stat line there. But yeah, Hartman certainly gives them an extra dimension that I just don't think they had last year that, oh, if you can't get to him, he can sit back there and pick you apart. And again, with how good the offensive line is, he's not going to have to do it every play because they can run the ball as well. Comparatively, 13 looked better than six. You saw USC. I don't think anybody did. The Trojans, oh, I did. Trojans put up a lot of points. I had my Pac-12 network, baby. You're the one. I'll borrow your phrase. You are the one, sir. I'm the one, sir. Uh-huh. I had my... How about that? Boys, you got to keep those cords. <laughs> keep those cords. They take care of you. The cords take care of you. They have all the... Yeah, I was watching the USC on Saturday night. Can you get a line um, item of your cable bill? How much do you think you actually pay oh, for God. Pac-12 network? Chops, I don't even look at the bills. I just pay them. It's fine. Um, no, it's, I have no idea what the Pac-12 network, but it's there. It's in some sports tier. And I did watch that. And I agree with you. Now, 
Caleb was great. He made a play. I'm sure it got made all the highlights or maybe it went viral. Probably, I guess, more than the highlight shows. Now it's like, did it go viral where he botches kind of a handoff on a play action and then just kind of picks it up and flicks it about 50 yards downfield for a touchdown uh, to that freshman kid that they have who's an absolute dude. And Zachariah um, Branch made most of the highlights. He was great. He was great. Uh, he's he the a, one who also had the return. kick return. Yeah. yeah, he had a kick return touchdown. They are pretty pathetic defensively. Oh, okay. who thought? Yeah, so like Alex Grinch gets to keep just failing up to better jobs. I don't know how, but He'll be he does. like the New York Giants defensive coordinator next yeah. year. Yeah, I I think they would be. I mean, I agree with you. I think Notre Dame seems more formidable. I, they're not as explosive probably as USC because I don't think they have the weaponry on the perimeter. But I think they're more formidable and more solid. And I'm going to tell you something that on the 23rd, I'm I'll be very interested to see where the line is on that to see who's a favorite in that game. It'll be determined on based on how the Buckeyes look this weekend and mostly this weekend. Um, do they look lights out? But, man, and people say, oh, it's just Navy. Dude, you mentioned that 2014 opener for Ohio yeah. State at Navy. It's Navy is a slog because of the way they play. They ran it 50 times. They just keep running it. You have to stay disciplined. You have to stay home. Um, and they overwhelmed them. Notre Dame overwhelmed them. They were, I want to say they were like a 14 point favorite in that game and they won by 39. I mean, that's beatdown stuff. They were up 28 zip at half. Um, Hartman ended up 19 to 23, 251 and four touchdowns. He had as many incompletions as he had touchdowns in the game. Yeah. And to compare, you know, Notre Dame, we were talking about how USC looked and okay, the, the defense questions are still real there. Like you said, playing Navy is not easy. They had to travel over to Ireland for this. Lots of distractions in a week zero game for this Notre Dame team that, you know, I don't think they were really in danger of losing, but could easily have given up some points. But they completely shut down Navy, only giving up three points. It's kind of six. He, they missed a, a pretty gimme field goal at one point. But yeah. either way, six points wouldn't wouldn't have changed my opinion on how Notre Dame played. They stayed yeah. focused throughout it, and they, yeah, they, they went out there and they took care of business. They have my attention. They have my attention. They I said are th- the same thing you said yeah. at the, the the start here. I was like, okay, 13th, like this is going to be a top 10 team. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, you're going to play three top 10 teams by the time you get to the end of this season. Um, and I think all three of them are worthy of it. I mean, Hartman's a game changer for them. It's an absolute game changer to get a – he's a pro. He's a pro quarterback, 24 years old. All the layups were layups for him. He was really good. I was – I, I had a feeling he would be good. He exceeded even what I thought he would be. And so that one on the 23rd is going to be a full day over in South Bend. Week one obviously is here. We'll uh, take a, a quick look at some of the matchups. Plus, we could have some movement in the ACC in terms of what it'll look like. Big picture going forward. That's coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. When that alarm clock goes off, morning juice comes on. The perfect way to dominate your day or just lay around the house. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The What's up? What's up, man? What's up, you? All right, here's what's up on a Monday. It is week one. Buckeyes at Indiana, Saturday at 3.30. Game you can listen to right here on The Fan and watch on the Mothership at Channel 10. In addition to that, Penn State at West Virginia. I got to be honest, like the Saturday slate's not great. Not like what, There's not like that home run bomb game on Saturday night that everyone's jacked up for. Um, I, honestly, the Penn State-West Virginia is the big game of, of kind of, of of Saturday. Once you get into Sunday, then you get Florida State and LSU. That'll be the game that everyone wants to watch, get a feel of, of those two teams. That's Sunday at 730. Um, but in terms of Saturday, the slate is not 
kind of what we're used to on Saturdays of the first weekend. There's usually one big haymaker game, or sometimes a couple. There's usually a big 330 and a huge um, maybe non-conference or neutral site game that's played in week one, and we just have the one uh, which is actually played in Happy Valley, the Penn State-West Virginia game, and then the game on Sunday as well. It's a little bit of a disappointing slate, fellas. Yeah, you've got a Florida-Utah game at Utah it's on Thursday, Thursday right? night. Yeah, so yeah. that's something that I've, I've kind of got circled. Florida feels kind of like a question mark. This year, so that could prove a lot there against Cam Rising. Yeah, and then to go up against Penn State on Saturday night, you've got North Carolina, South Carolina. That's one where it's like if South Carolina can pull it out, then maybe I've got That's a little a bit of one. interest and there's something there. It's fun quarterbacks, right? You got Drake May, Spencer Rattler in that one. But if if you know it goes by the rankings, as South Carolina currently unranked, North Carolina twenty one. If North Carolina just kind of takes care of business, eh? It seems like okay that that's not there. But yeah, I agree with you that there's not like the oh circle this one, let's check this out. On that Saturday slate, for sure. No, but that'd be a lot of fun to just hop around. Yeah. Um, if you've got, I mean, we all can't be like Bo Bishop and just have cords to just channel flip on our cable. <laughs> We've got to actually use the different apps and exit and enter yeah, and sad, figure out, like, what's deal. my password for this one? What's my password for that one? Figure, figure out, do you have the peacock in time? Because remember the last time someone launched a network or had a debut oh on a network was Michigan, who I think, was, were they number one at the time of Appalachian State? They were top five. I don't know if they were number one. But well, they were they're number two hosting Eastern yeah. Carolina. And that'll be something like, that's a pop-in game. Pop in, pop out. You're not trying yeah. to watch the whole thing unless it's it's close late. Is that Peacock? That's Peacock. I see you, Peacock. Oh, my God. I need context here. I was out for this. What What the I hell? Was, it's Katy Perry. Oh, this is his oh. new thing. His new Katy Perry. And then I said, I've never heard the song before. I'm like, can you play more of it? And he goes, no. <laughs> no, I don't think it's apparently like what it. comes, comes I mean, next. We have 20 seconds. You have some delay. So, so we like the three of us could hear it. Because I am. <laughs> I'm hearing, like, what the hell was that? It just depends on... ESPN Autoplay? Depends on how far you can take an innuendo, which, I don't know, based on the show that's on before us, apparently you can get yeah, pretty far. Six oh to nine, God. they go. Blow all the way through <laughs> Six innuendo. nine. Yeah, you hit you over the head with innuendo. Um, yeah, so that's it's a decent slate of games. There's something every, every day for you. That's a good point on North Carolina, South Carolina. That's a fun one. I had a panic on... Saturday, as I thought for a second that the Notre Dame game was on Peacock, and I don't have it. Mm. I, I'm going to have to get it, obviously, but I don't have it yet. Um, and so I, for a second, I'm like, do I have time to download this? I was in between. All three of the boys had games on Saturday, so I was kind of in panic. And then I don't even know, like, can I DVR on an app? How does that work? I think no, you can go you back DVR, and just watch it. Yeah, they like, would. they save it in the cloud. Okay, so you just start from the beginning? Yeah. Okay. That's what I guess that's what it's going to be on some of these ones where I have conflict, which is just going to suck. Um, speaking of conflict, it looks like there should be some resolution. Pete Thamel reporting this morning uh, that there could be resolution for the ACC and Stanford, Cal, and SMU, that that could come early this week. Um, it seems, according to his reporting, that they the rest of the ACC is warming to the idea of adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU to the league. The revenue, it seems, what's he reporting, like between 50 and 70? Yeah, that will the then be revenue that it would be, and then possibly that that would be obviously whatever the payout is going to be for those new schools. Which SMU has reportedly said we don't need we don't need anything. So did Stanford. Yeah, so we don't know if they're going to get anything or if they're going to split that up. But then also that the expectation would be probably spread evenly amongst the current members, and then a certain portion of it would go into that results based incentive. It'd be very minimal pile though. they have. Yeah, I mean, obviously. I'll ask this right now. What's more? What do you want more if you're SMU or if you're Stanford or if you're Cal and you've seen what's gone on the past month? Security or money? Security. Right now, it's all about security. 
It's security. So that's what this deal is. Is oh yeah, what we've we, we can secure ourselves into a conference that's going to be there at least for the remainder of the decade because ESPN would be out of their minds to dissolve things. It'll be around until twenty thirty six, right? For sure. So then you can build off of that. If you were just on your island, you can't really build much off of that. You've seen Castaway. Yeah. No, no, no. You can't be guys. You got, you guys have the other option for, for Stanford and Cal is to play some schedule that includes like Rice, SMU, Tulane, Navy, like that type of schedule. No, 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 no. You, you're, you're worrying about football primarily. You're worried about the revenue generating sports primarily. And there are matches. Now, the one thing that's crazy is like, Obviously, like Stanford has 36 Olympic sports or whatever. Like the ACC doesn't play all that stuff. So I don't know where you do some of that stuff. But I guess, you know, we have Johns Hopkins and lacrosse, don't we, in the Big Ten? And we have teams in the, in the Arizona State and hockey. Yeah, yeah. So they've, they've, so they've had that going a little bit. And it's, it just is like, well, if you already do that, where you do add random teams, why don't we just do it for football yeah, at this point? And then you could have just kept yeah. things together. Could have kept other it sports. as is other than football. Sure. Um, I think it's, it's smart. It's not going to, it's not going to amount to a hill of beans for the ones that are, that are pissed off. The Florida States, the Carolina, NC State, Clemson, that it's going to amount to an extra four or five million bucks. A year, and that's if they just the divvied it out evenly. Yeah, from yeah. there, and it, you know, who knows what they're actually going to do fully with all that extra money. But it's not like it's an extra no. two hundred million. It's it does not close the gap be, with the Big Ten no. and the SEC in any way. No, you're still in the same thing. One thing to watch for on this, though, folks, is um, from the from the Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, which have all kind of Florida State's been the most outward with it, but the other three kind of think in line with them. One thing to watch for is if. If they take SMU, Stanford, and Cal, do they allow for an escape of the grant of rights maybe by 2031? That would be something to watch for. Just watch to see if that number changes, that 2036 number. Because if you're Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, and especially if you're Florida State and you're so aggressively trying to get out and you're probably realizing, and I think we figured that out a couple of weeks ago where they had a press conference where they knew nothing, um, you're, you're probably saying to yourself, anything that gets us out of here quicker, we can sign up for. So fine, we will deal with this. We'll endure for the next seven seasons in this if you let us get out of this thing by 2031 or allow for us to take this group of teams back to the negotiating table with a network by 2031. Yeah, it's, you know, obviously ESPN, you know, benefits them greatly to, to keep it under this one. But I just wonder, like, is adding three teams, is that really something that just like can just be easily just folded into the current deal? Or if there is something that they're, they're going to have to do there. But right now ESPN's still looking out with it because for the addition of three new teams, they're basically paying the price of two teams. So they get a, they get a whole nother set of games that they'll have available. What else do they get, Chops? Think what else they get. They get the fourth window. Yeah. They got games at Stanford and at Cal. We can always put those ones late. Yeah, you can run North Carolina against Cal. Doesn't that feel like a 10-30 kick? (laughs) The 10-05 kick on Saturday night? You know? I mean, that's pretty simple to do that. Boston College at Stanford, a 10-05 kick Saturday night. That feels like a pretty easy one to sell. So they get a fourth window out of it, too. Um, I think the program that will benefit the most from the association is SMU. I think it will reignite their boosters in a very, very big way. Um, it already has. Yeah. The boosters saying, we'll pay what they don't already. make in television revenue. We just want to be on a, on a, in a league yeah. that is going to be on the big channels and we get to play big games. And if we win it, then you're talking about that's a path to the playoff. Winning the ACC yeah. is still going to carry that amount of respect. Yeah, it's an absolute mess for the non-revenues at Camp Stanford and Cal. Just a total mess.
So I would, you, they're going to need all the brains of all the people that go to those schools. To Especially for Cal, who's already schedules. just so behind no in athletic yeah. department spending. Yeah. Yeah. They have, there's, there's just no way. I, they're going to have to cut a bunch of sports at Cal to make it work because they just, there's just no way that you can travel like that. The other thing that's different from the ACC, from the Big Ten, largely, they're tough airports to fly into. A lot of them are. A lot of them are. There's not a lot of direct flights to some of this ACC footprint. Um, so that'll be a challenge for a lot of these places as well. All right, Austin's perspective on where we are on a game week, what, what's going to happen with the quarterbacks. Will Ryan announce it tonight? We'll ask him coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We're the girthiest radio station in the history of radio. Uncomfortably girthy. This promo is uncomfortable. The Fan, Ohio's girth destiny. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's head on to the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Conversation with a great friend, Austin Ward, right here at the Fan and dotting the eyes. We haven't been here in a while, bud. Um, true or false, he announces it uh, tonight on Roundtable. I would say false. Um, yeah, I think... I think Bo, I mean, first of all, congratulations, we made it. Uh, they play on Saturday. Um, Thank God. Thank God. This one, this one has taken forever. Yeah, I, I, you and I have talked about this a bunch of times, probably 50 times. It is mm-hmm. not Ryan Day's preference to play both. But I, I, I do think that at least around the Woody last week, that was the conversation was starting to prepare for that reality. So, um I think that sort of the plan that had been kicked around was one of those guys is obviously going to have to take the first snap. I think that the tiebreaker is going to still be experienced. Um, this is this is still speculation or subject to change over what happened over the you know last couple of days. Um, only Ryan Day knows for sure, but I think that you know it was sort of getting prepared for the reality that like one guy is going to go out, probably a driver two, see how that goes, and then you know, try and figure it out from there. I don't, if this was Youngstown state or Western Kentucky, it'd be a lot different. You could give one of them an entire game. You could pick a quarter, you could do whatever you want. I think it's a little more complicated if you're going on the road against a big 10 opponent. And that makes it harder to, I think, script out. Okay. This is exactly the way it's going to work. But again, I don't know for sure. Only Ryan day does. So, I agree 100%. He's clearly playing both. Um, I'm with you. I think it'll be a couple of series, then a couple of series, and then it's going to be feel because by God, you got to win the damn game, right? Like, right. you know, yeah. that's, that's the, that's the most important thing. So whichever one does that, I just, I guess what I, when I, when I said we'll know, my hunches will know tonight, I was thinking from the standpoint of Kyle's going to start. Both are going to play. Yeah. Do, do you, so do you, that's what I think he will do tonight. If he doesn't do that tonight, then I don't think he will do that tomorrow. And then are we really going to go into Saturday before we have a starter, even if it's in name only? I think now that we're in the game week, because as you mentioned, he's going to be on the round table tonight. He's got 30 minutes tomorrow with us and then a lightning round on Thursday. I, I don't, you're probably right that maybe tonight would be the, the best time to do that because otherwise you're going to get questions about it again tomorrow. Uh, everybody that yeah. uh, talks after practice on Wednesday will get asked about it and then he'll get asked about it again on Thursday. If, if the scenario that I laid out is the one that's likely, or even if it's the other way around, it doesn't matter. Uh, whichever one he picks, um, clearly he has reason for doing so. Uh, 
you know, it, at what point does it help you in terms of game and gamesmanship to not say who it's going to be? If Indiana is preparing for both, which I, they would have to be at this point, you know, it doesn't matter which one takes the first snap in that regard. So, right, um, you're, you're probably right about that part. But I, just, I, I feel like it, once you get to this point, he doesn't seem to want to dive into it too much further beyond that and let people think, well, that means that person won this month in camp. When I, I think deep down, that's what he really does. He doesn't feel like either one truly outright won it in training camp. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I, I just think from the, if it were me. If you don't do it today or tomorrow, and it, if, if you lay it out the way that I said, and you just say, look, it's Kyle or it's Devin, both are going to play. If, if that's what you lay out tonight, one of them is going to start, obviously, but it's, you know, both are going to play equal. Yep. We'll, we'll see how it goes. If you do that, then it's not something that's hanging over the entire week. If you don't do it, then tonight's all about it. Tomorrow, when you guys have him, is all about it. I mean, that's all you're going to ask. It's going to be 30 questions. <laughs> on it yeah you know i mean so like it'll be the same thing to your point wednesday and then it'll be thursday whereas like if he just says kyle or devin's going to start both are going to play if he does that tonight on roundtable then at least those questions those questions are different and then everything then it's not hanging over the whole week so that's that's where i'm coming from with it not in a position to pay attention to the scores but just kind of common sense yeah and and look it's it is a game week now so um you don't want to leave your actual game plan, your installation to chance. I think right. you like, even if, it, even if it becomes a game flow situation after, you know, four or five drives, which you would think that it would have to be if you're playing both, you still, you want to give them a script or a handful of plays that um, put them in position to succeed on Saturday. So you, you're going to have some of that stuff that's in place um, because the other 21 guys on the field or the other 10 guys on offense have to know what you're running because you are going to win a game. As you said, this isn't a, a meaningless non-conference walkover. This is a big 10 game on the road that counts for an awful lot. And as we mentioned last week, Ohio state, Indiana is not good. We can start with this premise, but going on the road to play anybody uh, in the Big Ten is a challenge. And you look at the last four or five times that Ohio State has started in these situations on the road, uh, they get they get wonky. You haven't played football mm-hmm. in a long time. You're rusty. Um, there's going to be things that are going to be disjointed. You throw in, you know, whatever's going on with the quarterback situation on top of that. Like, it can it, – they'll still win, but it could still look a little uh, ugly at times. So you, you have to get everybody else ready to go, no matter who's taking those snaps or throwing the football – and this is the time to do that. There's no more experimentation when you're, you know, six days from kickoff. That's 100% it, buddy. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's, that's where I am with it. I, I said off the top of the show, I think what Ryan Day will want on Saturday is for the layups to be layups um, yeah. because they have so much talent. I mean, this is really a point guard situation. You just want to get it to playmakers in space and just see it clearly and react. And that is something, while our defense is more talented than the Indiana defense, it's something you can't really replicate till you get in a game. And if I'm him, considering everything else on the roster, that's where I'm at. Are the easy ones easy? Yeah, because the rest of the, the rest of it should take care of itself. Sure. Ohio State's defense, I'm really excited to see it and not just like talk about the potential, which has been really fun to watch. Uh, the few times we did in camp and going back to spring, like this is a very loaded and veteran, uh, veteran laden defense. It should be really enjoyable to see the silver bullets flying around on Saturday. So they're going to help put that in position. 
Trayvon Henderson also had a phenomenal training camp. Uh, that's uh, That could be really fun to watch. Uh, it's going to be easier, you would think, in theory, for three new starting offensive linemen to run blocks and pass protect. So all these things line up where it's like a kind of – it's weird to talk about this high-scoring, explosive Ohio State Ryan Day attack, and and Saturday's probably going to be like, hey, uh, run the ball and play good defense. But you know, that's a, that's a winning formula in the Big Ten too. Yeah, absolutely is. And I know I'm asking you to be like a forensic scientist on this because, and I know you guys do this because you you talk to these players, you're looking for just to glean anything from them. But so right. that's happening during the week, and then they're having a little fun with this thing. I mean, you see these posts on social of the two quarterbacks. So they put that post out yesterday, and Devin's the first one up, and I'm going, oh, my God, did, is this it? Are they, is he the starter? Are they doing it on Twitter? Is this what's happening? Like, this has been kind of – are you surprised that they're playing into it on social? Yeah, they've, they've become a little too clever. They've, they've figured out how to maximize engagement. They put out all those stats all the time, though, like who's number one in college football on Instagram and Twitter right. and Ohio State. Like, they, they know what the fan base is going to get into. They know that – Oh, even the national media is going to see. Oh, who was the first one that threw a ball mm-hmm. in there? And then the, the the smash cuts back and forth. Like they've got it figured out. Um, and sometimes you have to pay a little close attention. Like the clips may not be from when you think they were, but they've they've understood how to play the game and to get eyeballs on Ohio State, which is ultimately the goal. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So aside from quarterback. What else are you curious to hear from Ryan Day on uh, tomorrow, tonight on roundtables? It feels like everything else is kind of locked up, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's pretty buttoned down. I would say, you know, kind of going through, you know, the list over the weekend, the only spot that I would say I don't know 100% for sure um, outside of quarterback what's going to happen is sort of that free safety look. Uh, Jihad Carter had been banged up just a little bit, so if we get an update from Ryan Day or Jim Knowles on make sure that he's full go for Saturday. He's been competing there with, you know, you have Jihad Carter coming in with power five experience. You have Josh Proctor, who's been in school for 15 years, um, <laughs> who has plenty of, you know, veteran experience as well. And then you have Malik Hartford, who has been, if it weren't for Sonny Styles, this would be the, the young safety that everyone would be talking about. He had a, a very good camp. He is he's going to play how much I think we're going to find out starting on Saturday. But I, I think everywhere else you go through the depth chart and say, yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. that's lining up what you expected, and um, that's really the only one that's left. And that's a pretty big one. That's the last line of defense out there. Uh, and as Jim Knowles will remind us, probably tomorrow and in a couple hours after this, it's a safety-driven defense. So uh, I'll have my eyes on that for sure. Because I mean, Malik Hartford, day one, you know, snagged an interception like in the first few drills. Like, oh, okay, and then that continued. So uh, that's one to, to file away, Bo. All right, buddy. Great talking to you as always. Next week, at least we'll have some. We can have we can form some opinions based on what we've seen <laughs> on the two quarterbacks. Thanks for your time, pal. Amen. Amen. All right, that's the great Austin Ward uh, right here at the fan at dotting the eyes on the Rivals Network. We hit two a days. Browns with a rough Saturday in terms of an injury standpoint and a kicking standpoint. How will it affect their overall trajectory this season? Two a days on the Browns and the Steelers. Up next, Bishman friends right here on the fan. Matty Ice is currently bathing himself in creamy jalapeno dip. And I've officially run out of ways to tease this show. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays at noon. The Fan. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, second hour on a Monday. NFL Cutdown Day is tomorrow by 5 o'clock. You've already seen some of those. You've seen some trades. You'll probably see some more of those things going forward. 
uh, final preseason games over the weekend. Two-a-days closes out in the north with the Browns and the Steelers. Hit it, fellas. Bishop and Friends present Two-a-days. Our preseason look around the league. We may skip over Houston and Atlanta, but that's because they suck. All right, we start up 71 North in Cleveland with the Browns. You watch that game against Kansas City on Saturday, and you see. So we, I had, I had football at four o'clock. Um, so we left. I, I watched the first half of the game live, and while I was watching, I came away with, all right, Deshaun Watson made two throws that you say, yep. There it is. That's it. Hit was it Cooper on the skinny post early and then he hit Chief for the touchdown, which was a just on the screws throw for the touchdown. Um and you say, Okay, though that's pretty good. But then the bad side of it was Cade York absolutely ganked an extra point. And he's he's cooked. He's then he got rolled cooked. up on. And he got rolled. Well, I think what was funny was like they made it seem like that's why he missed the kick and that had nothing to do with missing the kick. He missed the kick before. He missed the kick before. The other thing that the one other narrative I will say on this, there was a a scrimmage. There was a open camp practice. I want to say Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday of last week. Um, There's there's this narrative that he makes all of his kicks in practice. No, no, he does not. He does not. There was an open practice on Monday of last week where ownership general manager everyone was kind of watching him kick and he was blasting him left then so he's he's cooked everybody just has to close their eyes when he goes out there to kick that's what he needs Yeah, you can't so Stefanski was asked again and and he was a little bit more vague in it he said he's still a you know he's a we believe he's a talented kicker or something to that effect Um, but they would keep all of this stuff internal of course but like a team as loaded as this one cannot go into the season with that type of uncertainty. I do not believe that they will. I think that you've probably seen enough. And whether you try to get him back onto the practice squad, who knows? I mean, he's a former fourth-round pick. He's one of the most talented guys who can do this on the planet. But he's broken right now. And that part cannot be argued. So that sucked from their perspective. But honestly, what sucked even worse is Denzel Ward in concussion protocol. So this happened in the game as well. Um, and... I don't know why Denzel Ward was playing in the preseason. I don't know if that's a coaching decision or it's a Denzel decision. Um, you could say, well, it could happen in week one of the regular season. Okay, fine. That game counts. He hasn't played the last two preseasons. So I was shocked to see him out there in the game on Saturday. I was surprised that he played. I'm, I don't know if he asked to or not, um, but he did. And now he's in concussion protocol. So this is the fourth time in his NFL career that Denzel's been in concussion protocol. That's a lot at age 26. Um, so that is something, um, that was alarming as well. So by the time you get to Saturday night, oh, by the way, Jordan Kunashik, who had an outside chance at being a starter at linebacker, he's got torn ACE MCL. So when I finished watching at half, I'm thinking, okay, other than the fact that they got to move off of York, that's a pretty good half of preseason football. By the time Saturday night comes and these injuries stack up, you go, what a disaster, unmitigated disaster. And for a team, that you go over this roster, fellas, if this roster is in any other uniform or if it's in the NFC, you say go win the Super Bowl. It's got everything. It's got, I think, the best running back in the game. It's got really good receiving core, an up-and-coming tight end, top five offensive line. I think it's got a top five defense. I think it's got a top ten secondary. They're deep. 
They're deep at the places you want to be deep. It just comes down to Watson. It's That's really all it is. And if he can be the way that he was in the moments on Saturday consistently, and if you, when they get their full offensive complement of offensive weapons at his availability, they should be very dynamic. But it all comes back to him, and it comes back to just – it's an organization, unfortunately, that's just got a lot of bad mojo around it constantly, including on Saturday. On the Watson note, at least it looked right on Saturday because you're watching it and it you know, gets to 22-3 to in that first quarter and you're like, okay, so the Browns are at least – the Browns' mostly ones are at least better than the, the Chiefs' twos. twos. Right. But it, you know what? At least they were. They actually, yeah. and it was like, I mean, it was glaring that like, yeah, this is the much better unit out there. So that's something that you, you, you want to see there. It's just be, – it begins or continues to be so difficult to compare preseason games to each other because you don't know what either team is going to do. So you, you don't know what level of competition, but they go out and they do that. The Katie York stuff is just troubling. And then, you know, again, these results don't matter, but you're talking about multiple games in the preseason that if you just make your kicks, you win them instead. And so, yeah, they, they've got to move off on them. But I, you don't just like cut a kicker because you don't always know what's out there. It's it's so different than every other. There's only so many guys who have that skill set just in like the world at all. So it's it's hard right. to go out. You know, you cut a running back and you can find another running back. You're going to find somebody else yeah. to, to fill a roster spot. But yeah, so that's I, I would assume that they're just making sure that there is somebody to sign before they move off of them. But the margins are just so thin in the NFL, in the AFC, in the AFC North. That is the Browns you can in good conscience go into the season with these kind of kicking problems. I was disappointed he wasn't part of the initial Roster trim down on Sunday evening, or was it early this morning? He'll likely be Tuesday come 4 o'clock, but I also feel like they're waiting to see who else gets removed in the next, what, 24 hours from other teams? Yeah. Because Chops, you're right. As much as I dislike Cade York and I wanted him cut months ago, you can't just not have a guy there. I think there's some guys out there, like Robbie Gould's out there. There's been talk of like a trade for Nick Folk. I mean, there are some guys out there who can they do it. They got $37 million in cap space. Yeah, it won't be money, um, you know. But it's, we'll just pay a bunch of them. They they can't be in a scenario. It's so funny. I was at a uh, we had a football uh, team pool party yesterday. I had people coming up. Can't they just get like a a soccer player to come kick? As if it's you know like it's the NFL. Like it's that easy to do it. That's it's what the clearly, Cowboys are doing. Yeah, you try. I mean, obviously his his stuff's mental, and the fact that we're talking about it this much tells you how dicey this is in the AFC that you just cannot have this happen. The far bigger news for me, because I think they'll get this sorted out one way or another, the far bigger news for me is the Denzel Ward injury. I mean, that's that's crippling. I mean, he's they were playing in, in Jim Schwartz's defense. You think about the additions that they've made. Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, Obo Okoronkwo, um, the Shelby Harris, who came in last week, who looked great. Um, their defensive line, this is the best defensive line they've had. God, I don't even know when maybe ever, that they've had a defensive line this good. Zadarius Smith's going to give you what you thought Jadavion Clowney was going to give you. He's going to actually do that. Like That's what you're going to get. So their D-line is stout. They are tough to block. You don't need me saying it. Just go watch those first couple of practices, that first practice over in Philly when they bullied around the Philly offensive line, which never happened. So they have that ability in them. But it's predicated on an ability to play man-to-man defense on the back end with those corners. And they can do it with Emerson, Newsom, but and Denzel Ward. He's the linchpin. He's probably the best mirror in the NFL in terms of an ability to just stay with the receiver step for step. So if he can't play or if he's held out for an extended period of time in concussion protocol, that's an enormous loss for them. So that's to me, was the most substantial thing that came out of Saturday 
is that they're not going, my hunch is they're not going to be a hundred percent healthy by the time you get to Cincinnati in, in a couple of weeks. And if you're going to play a defense that has that type of pressure on the back end, you need Ward to be a guy. And every NFL team is, you know, constantly dealing with injuries and everything. But didn't we have that stat last year that the Browns like never got to suit up their intended lineup never. the entire nope. season last nope. year? And now it looks like hey, it could happen that again. could be the case again. So, yeah, not good stuff going for them. No, not at all. So that's the one that is alarming to me is the the uh, the Denzel Ward one. The draft looks pretty good for them. Cedric Tillman looks like he's going to be a guy. By the way, and I was at Dick's over the weekend. I saw a Cedric Tillman jersey. Do not buy those. Okay, people. He is, well, he's not wearing 89, kids. So if you see one, do not purchase that. They already cut Anthony Schwartz. Like, he could be in number 10 by tonight. So, like, I don't think you're going to be – don't be rushing out to buy those 89s. I promise you. Well, just don't buy a Cedric Tillman jersey yet. Well, he – not yet. He didn't be a dude. He's he's going to be a good one. Um, Any Dewan Jones jerseys available? I did not see those. He had basically the most perfect preseason a tackle's ever had in terms of the amount of snaps. Uh, one pressure, no sacks, and he played a ton. Uh, Whipler looks great. I think Hickman's going to make the fifty-three too. So like the Buckeyes are going to be well represented on this Browns team for sure. Um, let's hit the categories on the Browns. Fan brand grade, Reese. These are your boys. I think I've said it multiple times on this show. My favorite team in sport is the Cleveland Browns, and I hate them so much. <laughs> They're B minus. Obviously, there's passion with the fan base. Yeah. The stadium stinks, and that needs to be fixed ASAP, it, it feels like. But mm-hmm. like with all stadium, all stadium situations in municipalities that aren't willing to give public money, yeah. it's going to be a dicey situation in the next five years. It's, it's got to get figured out. So the unis are good now. I don't know what the hell they were. Th- I mean, it's like a billionaire buys a new house. They want to paint the bathroom. You don't need to paint the bathroom. Yeah. So I'm glad they're back to the, the the uniforms that they've always worn. Like orange and brown objectively isn't a great color scheme. And the Cleveland Browns is probably the worst name for a team in sport <laughs> because what the hell is a brown? It's always tough when I used to explain it to my kids. You look at the lo- primary logo. I mean, the dog logo is stupid as well, but the logo is equipment in yeah. no other sport. Anywhere is it just equipment? Maybe there's something that's got equipment factored into it. Like the Cardinals have a bat, at least. Yeah, but it's just a helmet. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of basketball logos that are basketballs, but they at least like write the team name in. And, and it's stuff. not just so the something. basketball. Yeah, it's not just a basketball out there. You know what? Actually, the dog logo. Now that you mentioned that, I watched the Bishop Sycamore documentary on Friday afternoon. Their logo that they had for Bishop Sycamore reminds me of the dog logo. Oh, good. Those are two and things you want to think oh, about. Yeah. You know what? Maybe don't. That's uh-huh. that's a reason to not go down that route. But I still went with a higher grade for you. AA minus. I think you know, the the they're already you know starting to talk about working on the stadium, but that obviously needs improvement. But people love their city. They love their Browns. They they support it like you know anything that anybody can support with that amount of fervor. Winning at all factors, probably the highest it's ever been since they've they've come back oh, to since Cleveland. Gozart. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in the A range. I go A minus here as well. Stadium drags it down a little bit, um, but everything else is is pretty perfect for all of the things that you mentioned, Reese. Like it's that quirkiness that makes them so unique. The fact that they are named is after that a good guy unique? They, I don't know, but it is unique. Sure. Like that they have a brand that is quite quite unique. <laughs> you say, say something's least. quirky when like you don't know yeah. how else to try it to is. be nice I mean, about it. My God, they've got an no, elf it's, and it's a quirky. dog and a helmet and a. There's a lot going on, but they have all of it. They have all those things. Uh, would Sonny Weaver work there? Great. Well, he already is. He does, but a it's plus, an A. Right? It's an A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a, the it, ownership it will spend. Yeah, there's passion with the fan base. Like those suckers are always going to fill your stadium at least until December. 
you've got an organization that anybody I think would want to work for, really. In true Browns fashion, though, they would have drafted Bo Callahan. The Browns have a chance at <laughs> And in one reality, they would have not gotten all their bleeping picks back. No, it would not have gone down like that. But, you know, in this reality, he did do it. So there you go. Yeah. No, I think I think it's an A. And one thing on the Haslam's... Um, all of those contract renegotiations that they've done, that's because they are willing to write checks for straight cash, homie, and they do it. And you have to tip your hat to that. Like, as a fan, if your ownership is willing to write checks for straight cash and give you cap relief, that makes your team better. They're willing to do it. In fact, they spend more of their cash than any team in the league on on this stuff. So, like, they're willing. That's how... That's how much they want to win up there. All-time Mount Rushmore for the Browns. It's your own personal one. This is a lot of ways you could go here recently. Yeah, and I I went all over the place. Bernie Kosar, Phil Dawson, Joe (laughs) Thomas, and Miles Garrett. I like it. Jim Brown, I think that's a no-brainer. You know, tragically losing him earlier this year, that stinks. But, yeah, he's one of the best players in NFL history. Bernie Kosar just seems like a, a cool dude. I own his jersey shirt, so I had to put him on here. Joe Thomas showing the love for... Offensive lineman and one that like truly does belong on a Mount Rushmore yep. as well. You know, sometimes I just like to throw him in because I played offensive line. And then how about Lou Groza? Not only just such a, the toe. A, a tremendous kicker for them, but learning, uh, looking through his Wikipedia page, that he also played offensive tackle at some point. And I'm like, okay, an offensive tackle slash kicker, that's never going to happen again. Who wore 76 in the buildings where it's located is on his street named after him. Only in go. Cleveland, kids. Uh, lots of ways you can go here. Real quick on Bernie. Bernie Kosar is more popular in Cleveland, I think, than any quarterback is in any city ever. He did not win a Super Like, he's more popular than Joe Montana in San Francisco. I think he's more popular than Aikman in Dallas. Like, I think he's the most popular quarterback of any t- I mean, it's his approval rating's a 1,000. He can, he can do no wrong. Um, I went Jim Brown. I went Joe Thomas, the great Hoff, uh, great friend. Marion Motley, go old school on a little Marion Motley for the kids. And Otto Graham, who can honestly... Could walk into any conversation with Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, his he played for the he played ten years. He played for the championship every year. He won seven. It's pretty remarkable what he did in, in a short time. Uh, win it all playoffs, ascending road to nowhere. Tank. Where are they recently? Well, if they don't make the playoffs, there's going to oh, be uh, some uncomfortable conversations had. So it, ha- it as a Browns fan, it has to be playoffs. Or to. We're back in the death spiral, baby. Yeah, playoffs for me as well. I mean, it's not like a team that I don't think can't win it all, but they're not they quite on that the level. They can make the playoffs. They can't win it all. Not there yet. So no. would you be shocked if they won it all? That's always how I determine if I want to put win it all, and I would be surprised if they won it all. Right. That would To go from 7-10 and 10 to win it all would be an enormous step. But they, I do think they'll make the playoffs. They had better make the playoffs, or I think people are going to be showing their walking papers. I think that's where they're at. Uh Certainly, when you talk Browns, you talk Steelers as well. We do it coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Tweet from a listener. Are you carrying the Buckeye game today? Considering we've never not carried one, yes. The answer is yes. The Fan. Not interested in Iowa football? Too bad. Chops will tell you about it anyway. This is Bishop and Friends. This one on Pittsburgh. Is Kenny Pickett good? I don't, I don't know. Coming out of last year, he had some incredible moments late in games. But if you look back at the big picture of what he did, not much to leave you feeling like you're in great hands. But he's been lights out in the preseason. It's the Steelers. It feels like they always get this stuff right. I guess the question becomes, what can the ceiling be for Pickett? Like, is he somebody that can play himself into this higher level 
echelon of quarterback that there is in the AFC because it's not just with the way the AFC is built. It's not just trying to be, you know, a playoff team. It's trying to be beat Mahomes and beat Allen um, and beat Herbert and beat Burrow. Is he good enough to do that? You're going to probably find out this year if he is or not, because that's really what you're graded against. These guys, all they do is win. <laughs> Tomlin has never had a losing record. They went nine and eight uh, a year ago. They finished third in the AFC. Um, they have a bunch of young skill position talent. They're dynamic on really all three levels defensively. Had a nice off season. It just comes down to picket. And I didn't think he'd be a, a pro, like a pro pro when he was drafted, but maybe he is. It's still so hard to look into the preseason and try to come out with anything that actually means anything. But yeah, Kenny Pickett did have a good preseason, so it makes you think because of all the stuff you listed with the Steelers that, man, if they can just put it together enough from the quarterback standpoint, it's so hard to doubt this team. But where does that put them? It's weird because of that acumen that they have and the resiliency they have to becoming a bad team that like their road to nowhere still feels like playoffs at the same time. But what yeah. does that really get you? And, you know, the Steelers, It's then that's the other thing. It's hard to discount it because they have been very successful over the last two, three, four decades, however far back you want to go. You know, they don't have too many coaches. They don't cycle in, in and out of that kind of stuff. So they have that continuity. But is football changing enough where they're going to have to change their approach to get to the top of the mountain again? This is the team, and it, it stinks for them, not for me because bleep them, that – they find themselves in like the we talk about the Browns winning the on paper Super Bowl all the time on paper fourth in the division, but would still be good enough in most other divisions outside the AFC North and probably the East where they wouldn't be one of the top two. And that quarterback question is huge and it's even more magnified considering the other four other three signal callers that you've got in the division. And then you've got the best quarterback play resides in the AFC. Yeah. So for the Steelers team, you like you always have this feeling because ever since I've since I've been alive, they've always had some of the best talent in the entire league, and they've always been able to utilize that. And that comes obviously with the continuity um, that's been brought at the head coaching spot. It's just if they can get this, if they can get Kenny Pickett right, then they could be. It wouldn't surprise me if they made the playoffs. That's the real question because, like organizationally, I think they're going to deliver teams to the playoffs Every more often than feels not. Like. And is Kenny Pickett that guy who can elevate and actually do something for you? Because also, I mean, it, no, it doesn't happen all the time, but we've seen it happen before in the NFL that if a guy is good enough to get to that level of play and just get hot at the right time, a Gardner, not a Gardner Minshew, uh, who was it? Nick Foles can do it for you yeah. with, with Philadelphia. We saw Joe Flacco do it from this division with the, with the Ravens. Eli Manning had a little bit extra talent, but he really wasn't all that great. He just was really good in those playoff runs as well. Yeah, it's just this AFC is different because at the top, everybody's driving a Ferrari F1. Like it's the highest. That's my name. I don't know my F1. I'm sure people get it mad at me. Maybe they're There's not Ferrari in there. Yeah, I know they're in there, but I don't know. Okay. if they're, they're probably not the best. It's probably McLaren or something like that. Um, but the idea being that is he good enough to play on that stage? That's that's the deal because he might be good enough. He might be a better Dalton. And in some years, that would be plenty enough. But in this AFC, I mean, this is why the Browns put a $230 million gamble on Deshaun Watson, because you need to have somebody like that to be able to deal with Mahomes, somebody at that level. Um, I'll give them so much credit. It's it's really the ideal organization. Like the, the Pickens pick, everybody knew there were red flags around George Pickens. 
except for Pittsburgh. They knew their red flags, but they knew culturally they'd be just fine because they have Tomlin and they have a way about going about their business. Um, it's just a little bit different from an accountability standpoint over there than it is at most places in the league. Let's hit the categories on the Steelers. Fan, brand, grade. What do you got, Reese? F them. It's an A minus, in my opinion. I don't think there's a better run organization in the league. Again, the yeah. continuity, the coaching position over the last 40 years has really helped them because that's it's, it's just the trickle down. Like you get it right there, and they've gotten it right consecutively. And, and again, the three, the three of them in the last forty years have been incredible. And they yeah. talk about like a nine and eight seasons, a disappointment for them. Can't stand their fans because they're Yinzers. So I can't take away how I feel personally about this. But yeah. in in terms of sport, this is one of the premier organizations. Yeah. Yeah, football city that cares about the sport. The uniforms are classic, and they don't monkey with them. They just are what they are. You know, there's a program that I like that mimicked their uniforms after them because of how good they've been, and that was back in the like late 70s because they were good back then and they're still good now and they've won Super Bowls in the last 20 years so really any age of fan that's over 10 has you know something with the Steelers actually being the best team in the NFL at the end of the year and the the stadium and I like that they took it away and it's not called Heinz Field but I feel like everybody's still going to call it Heinz Field but that looks like a, a fun place we've never made it out there but I went A plus with it I think it's got everything that you want maybe you could say right now they're winning at all factors down but you never count out the Steelers, so I don't really know what to do with their winning at all factor. I think it's an A plus too. I think it's as good as it gets. Uh, being a Steelers fan's got to be as good as it gets. Got to be, you know, being a Buckeye fan, like it's, it's pretty damn good. Would Sonny Weaver work their grade, Reese? I'm gonna give it a B. I think if the money was right, he would. But the spot that he's got in Cleveland, I would say it would take an astronomical amount of money to do it. It's a it's a very appealing job, but is it better than the one he's currently got? And I think with the job that he did in Cleveland, it wouldn't be. When A minus, I think he'd still like it. I don't, because I, I think there'd be, from a GM standpoint, a really good idea of like, okay, because of the coaching continuity that they've had, like, you know what you need to deliver to him. So I think that makes the GM's job a little bit easier. So I think he would like that. Whereas the Browns, you know, whether or not we're counting fictional or the universe that he actually lives in, whatever it is, it just it feels like it's a little bit more wavy of what you're going to be dealing with year in and year out as a GM, whereas in the Steelers, you know what it is. I think it's probably like, I'm, I'm going to go much lower, not anything against them, but just his dad coached for the Browns and then he GM the Browns. Like the notion that he would go coach the Steelers seems like Boy, it's almost like a Modell thing if he did that. I think so. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go D, uh, D minus on this one. All time Mount Rushmore for the Steelers. This is as hard as there is in the league to come up with. Go ahead, Reese. You go a million ways. Yeah, I got Heinz Ward, Troy Polamalu, Mean Joe Green, and James Harrison because you tell him he's not on the Steelers Mount Rushmore. <laughs> go ahead, say it to his face. Not going to be me. He'll flip a tire right on top of you. You could name 20 guys. <laughs> you really could. You truly you truly could name 20 guys. I went with the double quarterback in Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Troy Polamalu at safety. Just the notion of him jumping over lines by timing up the snap and grabbing the quarterback as he's coming out of a, an under center snap. Just that kind of stuff is just crazy. And then he played forever for them. And then just like, he looks like football. Linebacker Jack Lambert. Oh, he's great. Like I said, there's a million ways you could go here. I went Mean Joe Green. I went Rod Woodson. Both of those guys are on the NFL 75 all-time team. Um, I went Jack Ham as well. Uh, Lambert, certainly in the mix. Palomalo. 
I'll probably I'm going to go Lambert and Ham. I'm going to go old school and go those guys. But you could have gone. I mean, we didn't mention T.J. Watt. We didn't mention obviously. Uh, we, we did mention Palomalo. We didn't. Men- I didn't mention Bradshaw. I know you had Bradshaw on the list. Like there's so Jerome many. Bettis wasn't mentioned. So yeah. many guys that you could. Franco Harris. I mean, they, it's a it's just ridiculous. Had it not flamed out so weirdly, Antonio Brown had some of the best oh seasons God, we've ever for seen. Sure. For sure, his time as a Stealer was was lights out. Lights out. Yeah, they've got a lot to choose from. Uh, all right, get some perspective on the Browns coming up next with our buddy Jake Trotter. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Common man and T-Bone are idiots. You should listen to them anyway. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio's idiot destination. Taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, you want to get smarter on the Browns? You talk to Jake Trotter, covers the Browns at ESPN. He joins us on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We got a lot of micro stuff and a lot of newsy stuff that came out of Saturday for him. But big picture, as we're doing our two-a-days uh, preview of every team in the league, my friend, let's just start with what you've witnessed. It's been a crazy camp. I mean, you started in West Virginia, then you're in Philly. Have you seen enough from Deshaun Watson over this month? Because really, that's it, isn't it? If he's great, everything else is, and they should be. Have you seen enough to lead you to believe that he will be? I think he's going to be better. I don't think there's any doubt about that based on what we saw really going back to to OTAs in the spring. He's going to be better than last year. I think the question that still remains is how much better is he going to be? Is he going to return to the level he was at in 2019 and 2020 in Houston, Bow, Or is it going to be somewhere in between? And I, I think the answer to that is going to ultimately determine Cleveland State. And we just don't know. Uh, you know, he played uh, a series against Washington. You know, they, they, they drove down the field, but he only threw for 12 yards. And then, you know, he played against the backups from Kansas City on Saturday and had some success. But again, it was it was their backup defense. So it's just really hard to know i mean i can tell you training camp has been up and down there's been some awesome moments uh there's been some moments where it looks a little rough so it's just we'll, we're gonna find out in two weeks i think which direction this is headed and you know maybe it doesn't take us long to find out but i will say it wouldn't stun me if deshaun watson was much better in november than he than he turns out to be in september what what level when when you juxtapose it to the rest of this roster, and we'll get to the ward injury and some of that stuff in just a second, but when you think of everything else that Andrew Barry did with the roster, um, what is a reasonable expectation, do you think, internally for them? And then from your perspective, as someone who's covered the team every day for as long as you have, based on where the roster is, the level of Watson has to be what for them to be a playoff team? If he's great, can they be a Super Bowl team? Well, the, the expectation internally is to make the playoffs. At the very least, I, I think anything short of that is going to be not only among the fans, but I think internally going to be considered a, a massive disappointment. And I probably, and it probably would prompt a number of changes if they don't reach that level. What is what is the ceiling for this team? I think it is the Super Bowl, but their floor is kind of low too. Like like <laughs> it would not stun me if the Browns won twelve games this year in the regular season and, and had a a home playoff game, even though the AFC is completely loaded. But would I be stunned if they went 7-10? and 10? I, I don't think so, because they're playing in arguably the toughest division in, in football, and we just have no idea what we're going to see from Deshaun Watson. So I would argue that the Browns have the highest variance of any team in the NFL, where they could yeah. be 
you know, they could be challenging for like the two seed in the AFC or they could finish last in their division. I think either one of those outcomes is on the table. I couldn't agree with you more. I, th- I think that's the, a perfect way to put it. And it all hinges on Watson. And, and unfortunately for us and Browns fans and everybody, you're not going to know until a couple of weeks and, you know, playing against Cincinnati at home. And then from there, I mean, you're going to know in those first four games kind of what they're all about. Um, in terms of the, the rest of the adjustments that have made, um, obviously personnel wise, defensively, a bunch of new faces in there, but also schematically, um, has that, and it's a month in, I get it, but have, have you seen that? you know, kind of bearing fruit a little bit in terms of the attitude and the style of Jim Schwartz meshing with the talent. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference you're going to see is this is not just going to be a one-man pass rush like it's been at times in the past. Miles Garrett has never played with a teammate to reach double-digit sacks. I think that's going to change this year with the addition of Zadarius Smith, who looks like the the three-time pro bowler and not the guy who was battling a knee injury last year. He really looks like he's past that. And then you throw in, you know, Oboe and some of their other pass rushers, and I think they could be formidable in terms of causing problems for the quarterback. You know, it's you think a, a team that has Miles Garrett would be super opportunistic and, you know, causing sacks and tackles for loss and a bunch of turnovers and Strangely, it's been the opposite. Like this, this defense has not forced a lot of turnovers for the most part. They don't get a lot of sacks outside what Miles gives them, and I think that that could really change this year. I, again, it was like the third team Kansas City offense, but you know you had a couple of pick sixes on Saturday. You had another interception. Uh, I think that that could be a harbinger of what's to come. So I just think that they are going to be a lot more aggressive. I think they're going to force a lot more mistakes. Um, you know, maybe. You know, they get burnt a little bit more because of that aggression, but you're not going to see this defense sit back like it has at times in the past. And I also don't think you're going to see a lot of breakdowns in coverage because they're going to be in man so much. So uh, it's going to be very different, and we'll see how it translates. But from a talent perspective, they could be a top-ten defense. I don't think that's out of the question. You know, you talk about Jim obviously wants to play primarily man. Um, it's going to be something where it's predicated on the corners holding up, and now we have this injury with Denzel Ward. Um, do, mm-hmm. Whose decision was it to play Denzel? Was it his? Was it coaching? Uh, he hadn't played the last two preseasons, right, Jake? Well, he was hurt last uh, mini camp, and so he wasn't able to practice, I think, for most of the training camp last year, you know, and, yeah. and they were going to be very careful with him, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, the only two starters, I believe, that they that did not play this preseason were Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett. Correct, Bo? Am I forgetting? But did Betonio play? Sa- uh, I guess it, I, did he play Saturday? I didn't even look for him. I was so focused on Watson. I'd be candid with you. I didn't even look to see if he did. God, did he play Saturday? Um, see, we're looking at all the kickers and all this other stuff. I didn't even notice. I, I mean, I don't he, ever worry about it. I don't think he did. Did he play in the Washington game? I don't think so. I want to say he did. Maybe. Did not okay. Maybe. Well, yeah. Either yeah, way, we don't have to worry about Joel. Yeah, exactly. And, and Joel's been getting a lot of rest uh, in practice the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, they're getting him ready to go. I mean, I, you know, they. it's hard to not play anybody. Sure. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to – and they've basically done that. I mean, they have – I would say on the scale, you know, they've been pretty conservative about the, about the players that they have played – uh, you you compare that with Pittsburgh, where they're, those guys are playing like every preseason game, mm-hmm. it feels like. And, you know, you want to get him out there for a series or two. And, I mean, you know, that, that that's just the risk in football. Um, 
you don't want to go out against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh the first two weeks of the season having not hit yeah. like at all. And so I, I understand why you want to get him out there. But yeah, now now you've got a problem and concussion protocol. It's really hard to predict. I mean, I think at this point you would assume that he'll be ready to go. But I've seen guys, including if I remember correctly, Ward, where it's like two three weeks and uh, before they're back. So it, it, it oh, just depends. for sure with Denzel. Yep, you're right. Yeah, just. It just depends, um, and the fact that he's had this in the past, it's it's a little bit precarious. And guess who you don't want to play with corner injuries? <laughs> right, Cincinnati. Yeah. And so, I mean that that matchup if Denzel Ward can't play looks completely different to me, assuming that Joe Burrow is in there. Jake, you know, sometimes there are guys who have great mini camps or great camps, and they kind of become like a camp sensation, and then it maybe fizzles. Uh, Elijah Moore is all we've been hearing about offensively, going all the way back to mini camp. Um, do you think that 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 that's it, we do a segment here called the real truth? Is, is is Elijah Moore the real truth? By the time you get to this regular season, you need to have that type of impact. Well, if you if you watch training camp, you would think that the entire offense is going to go through Elijah Moore, like he's the number one option, and that's not going to be the case. Uh, you've got Nick Chubb, uh, who, you know, it's hard to measure running game in practice because they're not tackling. And, um, but, but Nick Chubb is going to be obviously a huge focal point, maybe the best running back in the NFL. Amari Cooper's really had a interesting training camp in that he, like, was started off really slow and really wasn't making any plays. And you're kind of wondering, like, is he going to be, you know, full go? When the season begins, that has ramped up in the last week or so. So I feel better about Amari. You've got Njoku, obviously. But, I mean, I do think Moore is going to get a lot of touches. Is he going to get as many as he's gotten in training camp? Probably not. Um, that, that might be a little bit overinflated uh, because of, of the factors I just um, mentioned. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, like, if you're in a fantasy football league and you're in, like, the ninth round, that's a guy I would go get because – you know he he could he could lead this team in receptions, uh, and he could have a bunch of yards, and he could get the ball in a lot of different ways. I mean, they've been running option with him out of the backfield. They've been doing end of rounds. He's going to be involved, um, but there is only one football, and the other guys I think are ultimately going to get it more often than he does. Jake, get you out of here on this one, bud. Uh, Cade York is he a Brown by Wednesday? <sighs> Boy, if you'd asked me that before Saturday, I would have said yes. And I almost would have locked it up, which I think would have been a contrarian opinion among you know people in the fan base and the media here. I get the sense that it is tenuous at best now. I mean, even Kevin Stefanski yesterday would not commit to Cade York. He's super talented. They drafted him in the fourth round. It would be a shame to give up on him now, but you can't be missing kicks uh, in the NFL. I mean, that's the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. They've got a tough decision to make. They have to see what's available out there. I mean, there's a couple, you know, older veteran kickers they, that they could go get that are probably more reliable. I would say at this point, just I would say that they maybe move on and maybe you hope to get him back on the practice squad and, and you keep working him. But, you know, if you're like the Houston Texans and a guy like that comes available, like why not take a sure. shot on him? So that would be a roll of the dice. I, I don't know what they do. Um, I think they've got to do something at this point because – there's just not a lot of confidence in the kicker and that's going to change the way you play games. Yep. And if you miss a kick against Cincinnati, you're going to be right, right back in this situation anyway. So uh, I, I do think that they look at somebody else. 
and maybe hope to get him back on the practice squad. Jake, you're the best man. Thank you so much for the time. Anytime, Bo. Take care. All right. That's the great Jake Trotter. Covers the Browns expertly at ESPN. One of the very best in the business. We hit thing or not a thing. Up next, Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We aim to punch you in the face with as many games as we can. You're home of the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, Crew, and Browns. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast. Or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, time for a little thing or not a thing. Hit it, fellas. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. Now, this is a small sample size, and it's just a guy on Twitter who likes stats. But uh, from Twitter user, Dadgum Box Scores said the new clock <laughs> rules after what week a, zero. Yes. New clock rules after week zero in college football. Again, seven-game sample with an average of 63.3 plays per game, an average duration of three hours and 24 minutes. Last season, 896 games, an average of 68.7 plays per game, and an average duration of three hours and 27 minutes. Thing or not a thing? It's exactly what we told you it would be. Right? It's less it's plays, more commercials. Less plays, more commercials. Same like amount this of time. Is, this isn't about being efficient with the game in any way, shape, or form. It's about putting more commercials into the game so that they can take more breaks. Um, it'd be one. I mean, you lost five plays. That's a big deal. It's a small sample size. I get it. It's a guy on Twitter, but my guess is this trend carries on. When I when we talked we talked about this months ago, and they said they were going to do this. This is not about making the window smaller. It's about maximizing the commercial time. So what, three extra minutes? You, you, three. you gained three minutes, but yeah, what did you really Lost gain? Lost five plays and you gained three minutes. I hate that. Yeah. Because what's next? Four minutes? Like are, I already think that they're too long, but again, they don't yeah. care. It's not so. like the pitch clock thing for baseball where it was oh, made it better. immediate change. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. This will be gradual over time. It'll, it'll take more and more from us, but we'll still yeah. watch because we're addicted. The Rays beat the Yankees. Those are both professional baseball teams uh, on Sunday, seven to four, amid a testy weekend where the benches cleared twice during yesterday's contest. After the game, uh, Tampa Bay second baseman Brandon Lowe was asked about the two incidents. "Quote: Obviously, tempers flared. Looking at it, it's a last place team against a team that's in contention. They're just trying to ignite something over there. Whatever. Not worth our time at this moment. We're focused on bigger things right now. We need each game. They're not really in each game." For what it's worth, Tampa's two back of the Orioles in the AL East. Yes, the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles are the East. What type of world are we living in, man? Yankees are 19 games back of the O's. Thing or not a thing? I mean, all of this is a thing. It's a hell of a like slight out of the from the guy giving the quote. That's money. Um, how did this happen? I mean, Reese, you followed this. How did this happen that the ball? I mean, I know it's just drafting. Like, it's just that simple. Did, like, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays, who had a nice group of young guys come up with Vlad Guerrero and all those guys, did they just, like, all of them miss on free agents and these guys yes. just crush the draft? I'd say for the Yankees in particular, like, a bunch of money went to a couple of guys and really only Aaron Judge, outside of injury, has delivered. Um, they had Stanton was a lot Giancarlo of Giancarlo Stanton's been a complete disaster for them. Their pitching staff yeah. isn't great. Similarly with Boston, I think losing Mookie Betts will haunt them for... He ev- was back at Fenway over the weekend. It yep. was standing ovation. Standing like, O for him. Loved him. They yeah. hate the rest of the team. They love a guy on another team. Right. Like, it's fun to watch, you know, it's cool, from a yeah. chaos standpoint. Because, yeah, the Orioles, it's just been they've made the right moves in their developmental system. They've been able to actually hit 
on a couple of, of acquisitions in the offseason. The Tampa Bay Rays, similarly. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the Blue Jays are, are, are there. But, yeah, it's... It's wild. Crazy. Yeah. And it's cool to see that happen in the face of something like the Yankees and then, you know, just across town with the yeah. Mets. They did the same thing, just tried to buy themselves, in, you know, into a winning team. The Mets at least have been proactive now and said, okay, it didn't work. We're going to trade some things away and we're going to try to restart. And I don't know what the Yankees plan is. I probably just open their wallets again next time there's a round of guys in yeah. free agency that they do want. Arizona State will not play in a bowl game in 2023 after self-imposing a one-year bowl ban Sunday morning, a decision that acknowledges the severity of the evidence in the ongoing NCAA case against the school's football program. Arizona State's decision comes amid an investigation that began during the tenure of former coach Herm Edwards, whose job with the Sun Devils ended three games into last season after an embarrassing loss to Eastern Michigan. Thing or not a thing? Well... Not a thing in the, in terms of it affects us here, but I, I do think you can – it's one of those, you know, we do in the next segment, we do weekend blitz, and you say, I believe I had that. There wasn't anybody who, when you found out Herb Edwards was going to be the head coach at Arizona State, who said, oh, yeah, that's going to work. Nobody. The guy had no point of reference on college football or what was went into it or what was – nothing. He'd been in the NFL forever. Like, of course this was going to fail miserably. <laughs> like, of course. Not only were they going to lose, but there was going to be mess-ups off the field. Like, all of this stuff. Uh, I do think the bull ban is stupid and ridiculous. But um, Well, they the won three was, games but, last season, so they're not yeah. going bowling this year anyway. You got yeah. Jaden Rashada. Sure. The $20 million man, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's just, yeah, it just thinks like punishing people who, like, weren't involved with the right. stuff anyways. My guess is they want to put it here so that they can join the Big 12 and not have it looming over them that, oh, it took care of it in our last year in the Pac-12, and then we can yeah. go into the Big 12 and Could actually be. make a bowl game. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will blitz the weekend coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station. The Fan. Pa- Drink recommendations, movie reviews, sports discussion, or whatever the hell Reeser does. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, final hour here on a Monday. Will it be a decision Monday for Ryan Day? My guess is that he already knows. I think he already knows by now. He has roundtable tonight on the fan. Um, He has availability tomorrow at noon. It's just the question of, I'll, I, you guys didn't get a chance to win on this. Was having this conversation with Austin. I see no benefit to like dragging this thing out and having ambiguity at quarterback. There's no tape on either one of these guys. It's not like you're getting some strategic advantage over Tom Allen. Like to me, like do it tonight, have it out there. It's not like whoever he names. It's not like the other guy's not going to play. I don't. I don't see the benefit in dragging this out all week. Yeah, it, it feels like something where they're already in, at the point, if you're Indiana, of like, well, we have to be prepared for both these quarterbacks. Whatever that means, as you mentioned, it's not really film on either of them. The mm-hmm. best you can get is Kyle McCord two years ago in a game against Akron. So, yeah, just tell everybody what's going to happen. And then that makes everybody's job easier. It makes the reporters not feel as obliged to ask as many questions as they can possibly think of about the quarterback situation. And then you're on a little bit more of your own footing on Buckeye Roundtable where he can kind of lay it out. And then that gives time for people to look at that. And then in his presser tomorrow, maybe just some clarifying questions, but they can kind of yeah. move forward into the season without just just this hanging over it completely. I don't know, man. One game, two teams, four quarterbacks. <laughs> Big Ten on CBS comes to you live from Bloomington, Indiana. This number three, Ohio State, takes on the Hoosiers. 
who's it going to be at QB? And list the four quarterbacks and have fun with that. <laughs> Can you imagine how much Johnny Walker Black Uncle Vern would have to drink to call that game? Like, he's not used to those being the openers. He's usually getting something a little better. Um, Auburn or Alabama. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. It's Nestler and Danielson, isn't it? Yeah. On the call? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's blitz the weekend. Bishop and Friends present a weekend sports blitz. All right. What did you have, Reese? I believe I had that Cade York is the problem facing the Browns. They put a throw on the preseason. I wanted this guy cut before the Hall of Fame game, knowing what he had missed last week. Uh, And then with two really bad misses on Saturday, I mean, this was from Nathan Zagura, a friend of the program, who said it on the Browns broadcast. Cleveland's 4-0 if he makes all of his kicks. But they're 1-2-1 in large part because of Cade York. Yeah. Uh, I had that the USC defense is still going to be a liability for them, and they can only get so far if that's going to be the case. Yes, they still have it offensively. Also, Caleb Williams got a haircut, and I was like, oh. He looks like that? I don't know. That was like one of the biggest like changes of a haircut for me when I when I saw him. I, I did not realize how different he could look without, you know, the headband and the, the hair going up. But back to the USC defense, they gave up 28 to San Jose State. They won by 28, but it was still only a 14-point game deep into the third quarter, a 35-21 yeah. at that point. I think that's when uh they they took back that kickoff for the long return and then it was then it was settled. No, it didn't feel like they were going to lose, but I was like, okay, so maybe this is one of those weird exchange rate type teams. Maybe San Jose State is an offensive power. So I just wanted to look into their numbers. No, they're like in the 70s last year as offensive in yardage yep. you know, and in scoring. So nothing nothing really that special. So, yeah, Alex Grinch continues to hold on to these defensive jobs and continues to be considered a great defensive coordinator by a lot of people, and I've never seen it on the field for him. So we never saw it here when they hired him from Washington State. We never saw it here. Then he went to Oklahoma. We never saw it there. I think the same would be true of Tim Beck, who went from, like, we talked about the 15 team, like mm-hmm. he was the offensive coordinator on the 15. He, he was here two years, and he – Somehow, then he went to Texas, was the offensive coordinator. Do you know where Tim Beck is now? Do you guys know? Pop quiz? I'm going to say still in the state of Texas. He is the head coach at Coastal Carolina. Not Texas. Like, what have you seen from that that you can keep? I mean, that's failing up. That's a good job. Coastal You can win at Coastal Carolina. People have. Maybe on Saturday in the big house. Could be. Well, they're East Carolina, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coastal would be coastal. a full day. Yeah, Eastern's the Pirates. That's Speaking right. of yeah. coaches failing, uh, failing upward, you know Billy Davis is the linebacker coach at the Arizona right now? I did, which is why I, you know, I kind of lost it on the Isaiah Simmons stuff. Like They bailed on him. He's the only linebacker coach that Isaiah Simmons has had in the NFL. Hmm. So the fact that, you could, that they got him for a seventh-round pick, man. Um, I had that Sam Hartman would be a dude. Uh, now, some of this was insider trading. <laughs> but but he was someone who was very, very good at Wake Forest. I thought he would be very, very good right away at Notre Dame. He is very, very good, and it does change the way. It confirmed everything that I thought of him, but it changes the way you view that game. For me, at least, the way I view the game on the 23rd. That secondary uh, for Jim Knowles had better be ready to go because that kid, if there are layups, they will be made. I promise you that. I didn't have that. What didn't you have, Reese? Didn't have that the Guardians would eject Noah Syndergaard before the end of the regular season. I know they want to clear up a roster spot for Cal Quantrill, and there's talk if they can get Shane Bieber back before the end of the year. They're only six games out. Of the AL Central. They've got the Twins for six games this week. So you're telling me there's a chance, but 
a bad outing for Syndergaard yesterday. I mean, he gave up five earned in six innings of work. Yeah. But still, he was a reliably, it was kind of a healthy arm, and the Guardians didn't have too much in that. And so I was like, well, he'll be on for the remainder of the year. And the fact that they gave up, you know, Ahmed Rosario for nothing, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't have uh, players signing autographs in the outfield between games at the Little League World Series. Uh, kids are so funny in that sense. How they just like to, you know, they like to play, like th- to do the things that they they see other people do. And luckily, I don't think I saw an adult try to get the kids' autograph. That would have been really weird. But it's just funny. Uh, the kids running up with baseballs to other children and asking them to to sign the baseball, and the kids acting cool about it and everything. Just the the stuff you get from the Little League World Series of. The kids trying to act like this is as big as just any other sporting event that would be on ESPN. It's some of the best stuff. As a parent, I cannot imagine trying to fit their head back into the home <laughs> right. after playing in the Little League. Like, how do you parent a kid who played in the Little League World Series on ESPN who gets treated like a big league player for like a week and then gets to sign autographs with people who you're the same age of? Like, how do you how do you parent that kid? Can you what? imagine the ego? Why should I do my math homework? I'm on right. TV. I'm going to be in the bigs, dude. I'm a world champion. Homeworks yeah. for uh, regional yeah. champions. El Segundo <laughs> or wherever they're from. I'm him, Dad. I don't do homework. Um, I didn't have that there's still no quarterback starter named at Ohio State. You could ask me this in March, April, June, July, most of August. I would have said, yeah, we'll, we'll have one by game week. And yet here we go. Um, my hunch is Ryan says something today on the, on the round table. Um, I think it would behoove him to do it. Um, I think it just clears the air and allows for a much more streamlined week. Uh, but he might not. He might go all the way into the game week, and I did not have that this would be the case. And guess what? I don't think Ryan Day had this either. I don't think he has any interest in being where he is. Um, I think they believe in both of the guys, but I, I think that they wish that there was separation here. Uh, player who impressed you the most this weekend, who do you got recently? Crew forward Diego Rossi in his uh, first appearance with Columbus. He scored a goal in the 21st minute. Uh, they beat Toronto FC 2-0 on Saturday, and Looks like uh, he hasn't really missed a beat. I mean, he's been out of real action for a month. And is it great. is it one of those things where like they just come over here from like the Turkish Super League in Rossi's case or Messi, and they just run circles around MLS players? What Messi play like twenty minutes, and he had the most ridiculous give and go. Like it's, there's a still of him so completely bad. surrounded by players, and he somehow threads it through and then gets it back for the ends up being the game winning goal. Crazy. Player impressed the most for me. Are either of you familiar with Diego Pavia? No. That name no, mean anything uh, to you? Nope. Nothing. He's the New Mexico State quarterback. Unfortunately, they lost to UMass, who looks like maybe they've turned it around a little bit. They were one of the worst teams in college football. Oh, maybe UMass the worst back? team in college. Maybe UMass back. Hell yeah. But quarterback for New Mexico State, the losing team in here, Diego Pavia. Late in the game, he gets what, I mean, I guess he could have assumed it was a face mask, but he doesn't know because his, his helmet gets gets jerked, yeah. flips all the way around. It's on backwards, so face mask on the back of the head. He can't see anything. He's still scrambling and decides to just throw it away. Can't see a thing. I just, I love the, the guts of that. Like, yeah, probably assuming that, well, we're going to get back no matter what because this is probably a face mask. <laughs> but I don't know if he knows that in the moment. He clearly can't see the flag and just to throw it with with no vision. Just great stuff out of him. College football, never change. 
It was so great that it was back. Player that impressed me the most was Zachariah Branch. He's the freshman at USC. He's electric kids. Um, he's going to have a big, big year for Southern Cal. Uh, had a kick return touchdown. He was the one who caught the deep ball from Caleb Williams when he stepped up. They're going to use him a lot, um, and he's going to have a big year out at USC. You're going to hear that name a lot. Player disappointed the most. Reese, what do you got? Well, just real quick adding to that. So it was Jalen Maiden. I was the quarterback for San Diego State. Uh, and their win over Ohio on Saturday, he's getting pressured out. He tried to throw it away, and he whacked the referee in the face with it. Oh, jeez. It's a pretty great clip. Now, you guys outplayed them, right? I would say yes. Uh, it was C.J. Harris who threw three interceptions in relief of Curtis Rourke, who disappointed his knee. His knee oh. disappointed me. There's about 10 seconds left to go. He goes down. Um, it was an interesting post game uh, with Tim Albin, who said that Rourke wanted to go back into the game. Like he limped into the trainer's tent and he was on the sideline and mm-hmm. there wasn't a real noticeable limp. But I think it's just the fear over losing the entire last month of last season because of the ACL that they're going to get uh, an X-ray on it. They're going to get more testing done. Um, they've got Long Island University, which is now a thing Saturday in wow. Athens. But I think it was the smart move by Albin because you're still in that game. You lost by seven. It's fine. But if the bigger picture is a MAC championship, you wait till you get professional opinion, not yeah. just a, hey, how are you feeling, champ? Because, of course, right. he's going to want to go back in the game if he can walk. Yeah, all these guys do. Player disappointed the most for me. Now, it was a relatively low scoring game between Centerville and Dublin Kaufman, a final of 22 to 14. Um, unfortunately, the Elks lost, but their defensive line didn't look good in it. That's why, like, people were, like, kind of thinking, oh, man, the offenses didn't play very well. No, nah, it's really the Centerville defensive line didn't play very well and just was giving up a bunch of rushing yards. But why does the score remain so low? And here's the real disappointment it was a zebra game. Oh, there were two false starts called on punts that they still let happen. It's like I thought a false start was, you know, you just end the play and you you give it right away. But no, they still let both. So there were three punts in a row because of calls from the ref. Just about every drive that did sputter and didn't end in the score was because there was one 10 or 15 yard penalty on either team at some point. And it it just not good stuff. And it was for both sides. They made some questionable calls down the stretch that maybe were a little bit more just me putting on my Centerville hat. But throughout the game, it was just like, come on, just let them play a little bit more. Play, Yeah, you can't have that. And this isn't personally for me. It just it just sucks for Denzel Ward. It's just very disappointing that he gets a concussion. Um, these are stacking. These are four. Um, he's obviously signed for big money already. He's taking care of his family, family, family forever, generationally, based on the amount of money he's made. Uh, but at 26 to have a fourth concussion, it just sucks for him. And they need him desperately in two weeks because his ability I think he's the best mirror cover in the league um, if he's not there that changes what they can do obviously Bud Kilmer honorary coach of the week what do you got Reese? Uh, crew manager Wilfried Nazi I mean this was the first game back from that suspension uh, they've won two in a row like at Toronto FC is not good but if you saw what they did to FC Cincinnati last week who uh, at the time are still top of the table in Major League Soccer and we could do I guess some higher or lower for MLS because ESPN has their power rankings, or at least the last set they did. Crew are at the top. Number one. Can't go any higher than that. I guess we could just do that right then and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got a match against Houston on Wednesday, but the crew with mixing and matching players, obviously I think you'll feel the loss of Lucas Zellerayon later, likely yeah. in the playoffs. But right now the guys they've got to step up in in response to that have been wonderful. And I think it's a, a big part to what Nazi's been doing for these guys. Sometimes in our blitz segments, you want to go, okay, what's the diamond in the rough for some of these? But other times, you just don't want to overthink it, and that's what I did here. Marcus Freeman, 
They, they take a trip yeah. over to Dublin, Ireland. They're playing Navy. It's week zero. Last year had some disappointing things, especially in games that you thought, oh, they were for sure going to win. But he keeps those guys going, and they just roll right over Navy. Uh, what, 42-3? to three? So, yeah, Marcus Freeman did a really good job getting that team ready. Just real quick, did you see that, like, Sam Hartman got, like, an MVP trophy? I did. Yeah, from really? what Air Lingus is Air Lingus. to give that out? I can't wait to ask Dom tomorrow. Dom, what's your favorite Ireland-specific uh, airline? <laughs> I just want him to say it. That's all I want. Um, all right, so you guys remember last week I told you the sixth graders had, we had the Jamboree where we played a half against three teams that we all played in the regular season. And we actually put in a dummy offense for that to not give anything because we just went left, right, left, right, run, run. So we played one of the teams that was in the Jamboree, and they one-upped us. No names, please. But the head coach held his son completely out of the jamboree, the scrimmages. Wasn't even there. Was not there. We show up to play on Saturday. Kid shows up wearing number one. He's 130 pounds. 140 is the cutoff to be able to play and carry the ball. He's 130 pounds. He's the quarterback, and he's the middle linebacker. He's a beast. Like You just had to tip your hat and just go, wow, sixth grade gamesmanship. Outrageous job out of you. Is he him? He is. He was him. We lost eight zip. Really thrilling game. My defense held up. I texted threes. I said, I think our defense did its job. We gave up two first downs on this kid, um, and, and that was it. On a short field after a turnover, it uh, resulted in the only touchdown. But the um, his, like to, to like hold a kid out of a scrimmage entirely, and he's your son. So it's not like he was on vacation. Yeah, like he just they I, just kept him off premise. Yeah, so I like the idea that exist. he wasn't even there. They weren't he wasn't even there. Like, he wasn't just like showing no. up in his jersey and not. He wasn't not a hoodie. Just, no, no, yeah. no, gone. Wasn't there, and then showed up for the opener. So that's uh, you got to tip your hat to that type of gamesmanship. That's really thinking it through. Uh, we'll go around the league. Cut down day is tomorrow. Uh, perhaps some update between now and the opener for Burrow in terms of his health, and also in terms of the uh, the contract finally getting done. We get into that coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. If you miss a live show, you can catch the podcast. If you miss the podcast, our hosts have volunteered to have dinner with you. Ah, the meatloaf! The f- distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Cut down day tomorrow afternoon for the NFL. Uh... Browns have some big decisions to make, obviously, a kicker. Um, I tend to agree with uh, Jake, who was on with us earlier in the program, that they will move off of Cade York. I just don't think you can afford to go into a season with that type of uncertainty. Go ahead, Chops. Speaking of kickers and uncertainty, I just had to share it. Uh, apparently, Coach Tom Allen, you know, Indiana head coach, mm-hmm. he shared that Indiana does indeed have a starting kicker, but that they won't reveal that publicly as of right now. Well, that'll play in pretty well to what we have in the next segment, as that will no longer be the case. One game, two teams, four quarterbacks, three kickers. The Big Ten on CBS begins in Bloomington, Indiana. That's right. Ohio State is a kicker competition. Number three, Ohio State. And the Hoosiers of Indiana bring you this Big Ten battle. Four kickers. Good Lord. Why not? What a smattering of nonsense. Why does he do that? Why do coaches do that? Like, come on. That's why I hope Ryan doesn't. I hope he doesn't. I hope he just, he knows who's going to start. Say it tonight on Roundtable, which you can listen to right here on the fan. Then tomorrow you can go through the the plan of how you're going to use him in the presser. And then you're on. And Austin Brady brought up a very great point when we were, when he had him earlier in the show from the standpoint of you have to game plan it. 
So if you're going to play both of them and they get two series, two series, and then you go with flow for the end of the game or whatever it is, that has to be practiced this week. That has to be known. They have to know what they're going into. Um, the other thing that I hate about the – I hate everything about the, the two-quarterback thing. I think it just sucks across the board. The other thing that's really hard about it, though, is like, okay, so like you get two series. Okay, so first series, let's say you go score. Second series, if you fumble, if, if the running back fumbles on the second play, like is that a series? Do you count that? What constitutes a series? And then you go to the other guy? Like it's almost like – it just stinks because the opener this time is is an actual Big Ten game, and we can mock Indiana, but they're going to be much better, obviously, than who you're going to play the next two weeks. If you were opening with Youngstown State, for example, you could play Kyle the first quarter, Devin the second, Kyle the third, Devin the fourth, and just run your offense and go and see how they play. And then you could do it the next week. You do the same thing against Western Kentucky. You can't really do that against Indiana. No, like you don't want them hanging around. They're not that far removed from beating yeah. Penn State. Like they've given us fits before. Like I'm not saying that this is this Indiana team does not have Michael Penix, but their quarterback is a kid who's a four star kid that transferred from Tennessee. So they have talent. They were as one of you guys mentioned earlier. They've been busy in the portal. Like I don't think you're going to beat them 63 to seven. Especially so like, with yeah, with unclear of what you're doing under center, and so it would like just just own it. And pick the guy, have the plan, but it's just not ideal. Our friends at Typico Sports have Ohio State a 29.5-point favorite. Do you think that moves because of this now kicking controversy for the Hoosiers? <laughs> Anything that does the old line? I don't know right. what. And then I don't, as far as betting on something that's in anything over like. 17 points on a spread is like, I don't know if they're going to win by that, but that's just such a hard thing to pick because you don't know what You'll they're doing. You'll have to know by Friday, Chops. You're yeah. going to have to know by Friday when we pick them. Have using to know those the typical lines, you're going to have to. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, so I think you're going to get some. I think you'll get clarity today from Ryan, and I think it's the smart thing to do. And I think if it hangs over the week, then it just almost becomes a bigger distraction than it has already. Um, I haven't mentioned this. I mentioned this with Austin, but just for you guys, and and as we are into the third hour now, this is in the first hour when he talked about it. Like they're kind of having fun with it. Like they're tweeting out videos of both of them, you know, and you're like parsing through it, trying to make sense of it. And the first kid they showed was. Was Devin? I'm like, oh my gosh, he's the starter. But then you think, well, or maybe this is like the carrot for Devin, and then it'll be Kyle, and then they'll go to Devin. Like it's just there nobody does, knows anything. That, Except that's them, one, they know. That's one thing that like feels a little bit good about this is there does seem to be a little bit more of a jovial approach to this season. I go back to this like anecdote that uh, Burn was telling on the podcast that just last week Ryan Day was coming off the practice field on one of the days that they were out there for player availability. And he, he he said to you know a group of reporters like, "Hey, how much would you guys give me if I told you the starting quarterback?" Like just kind of like that kind of so having fun, yeah, yeah. So like that's good stuff to see, but he's still nervous about the whole quarterback situation. Well, unless he's been telling you the real truth all along, and that, that he actually is really comfortable with both. Yeah, and that they're actually both good, and yeah. we just we want to see of both of them. One of them's going to be the guy. Uh, this dovetails into the Big Ten going to have availability reports. Brett McMurphy reporting this. The Big Ten requires football teams to release player availability reports two hours before each conference kickoff game, pending approval by the league schools. Sources told the Action Network. Uh, actually, Andy Grender was the first to admit it. Um, I'd be shocked if it didn't pass, the source said. So this is, um, this is, I think, probably a reaction to the Iowa-Iowa State stuff, right? Like, well, we with the gambling and that yeah, they want it to that's be. That's my guess. Yeah. That they want to be as 
as as more and more states, including great right here in the great state of Ohio, are becoming open, fully open to sports gambling, um, you want to make sure that you have transparency. This is what the NFL does, and this is what college is going to have to do now too. I think this this will be the first of many. You'll see this around the country. But how much is the Big Ten going to hold them to the actual distinctions? Like they do mean something in the NFL, like what you list a guy as. Whereas is this one just going to be an in or out type situation? Is there going to be any sort of penalty when you like list a guy as? Not like be. not out, but then he is yes. out because we've we've been going through that. Ohio State technically releases an availability report, but then throughout no. warmups, you always see the beat guys saying like, "Actually, he's not out there, but he wasn't listed Chops. on the availability report." I think this is accountability for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you will be held accountable for your reports because what the Big Ten wants and what Tony Petiti wants is um, he wants absolutely no issue ever with sports betting getting into his locker rooms. And so what this does is it gives you a clear delineation. He's in, he's out. You have to declare it two hours before kick. That's totally fair. It's not that much to ask. Um, and you have to have integrity. You have to have integrity in your betting. If you're going to be taking money and having places to bet at stadiums around college sports, then you have to have integrity in the lineup. So to me, this feels like a no-brainer, and it feels like CYA. So yeah, I I think I think you're gonna I think they will be held accountable to it. We're gonna argue some semantics here, but shouldn't it be called the unavailability report? Fair, it's fine. <laughs> Who's out? Right. Everybody should, should be, be available until you tell me that they're not yeah. available until everyone's they're not. available. Yeah. But this one has who's not available. The Tom Allen stuff makes me want to throw myself through a window. Just stop. They got a quarterback controversy, a kicking controversy. He was, hey, if he he's that, not careful, they're gonna have a coaching. Uh, no, they're not gonna have any controversy. <laughs> he's just not gonna be it. He is the epitome of you have to know know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. He had a moment where he was a pretty hot commodity and they were ranked, you know, they were a top twenty five team when they had Penix. He should have got the hell out of there. There's just no winning there long term can be done. Nope. It's just not gonna happen. There's nothing you can do. Um all right, we will uh, we'll get to the NFL stuff coming up next with cut down day. You'll hear from Zach Taylor on that. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The Daily Coach Ryan Day Show is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Our top men are working on everything except this show. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, here's what the uh, the Browns are dealing with. Let's just go, well, here's what you're going to see this week from NFL teams. So you're going to have practices this week. Those will all – training camp's long over, obviously. You'll have game prep practices this week. You'll have final cut-down day by tomorrow, I think at 5. And then after that – so the other thing is there will be an original 53 – and then it'll be the actual 53. And those are two very different things. So you'll have that to kind of monitor. You will likely see some trades. The Browns picked up uh, a running back for Tyrone Wheatley Jr., traded him to the Patriots, picked up a running back um, to kind of fit into that room a little bit. Uh, I think they like that Jordan Wilkins kid, but he fumbled twice in the game. And so that was kind of the end of that. They're still waiting on Jerome Ford as somebody behind Nick Chubb. Um, they also have to deal with Obviously, they can't go forward with Cade York. So what does that look like? Do you have somebody to bring in? Do you cut York entirely? Um, I agree with um, Jake Trotter. He's not going to get through to the practice squad because one of the bad teams are going to look at the talent and say, bring him in here and see if we can fix him. Because we've seen that a lot with kickers. Sometimes they do sure. get some sort of mental block, but they change the scenery and boom, they're back on that stuff. And you're right. When it's a talented they've, guy, they'll, they'll want him. They've drafted too. They drafted, drafted Austin Seibert too up there. 
So, and that didn't last long. Um, the kid at Oklahoma. Um, so then they got the Denzel Ward concussion. They got the Jordan Kanashik injury at linebacker with the torn MCL. That one's a, that's a big blow. I think they were counting on him. Their linebacker room now got pretty thin. Jacob Phillips done for the year. Jordan Kanashik done for a long time. So they are not where they need to be at linebacker. So that would be something to watch for where they're concerned. Watch for Denzel Ward on the concussion protocol. That's alarming to me. Fourth of them. Four of them, rather, in the NFL for him. So that's where they stand on that. Uh, the Bengals, you're just waiting on Burrow's health. Now, all reports out of there, you read Jay Morris and everybody else, is that he looks great um, in what they're not seeing behind the scenes. Um, but it's just a matter of what happens by the time you get out there. I even had somebody ask me if it was gamesmanship, like if Burrow was holding himself out like for the contract. I don't sense that. In any way, shape. I think he'd want a a training camp experience as he's never had a normal one. He's never had one. Yeah. No, I I don't think it's that at all. If if he's healthy, he goes, but I'm guessing he wanted to be at practice and maybe get a series or two um, on on the way that that thing goes. You are still waiting on Burrow's contract. Um, I saw Jay tweet out this morning, like where Burrow's going to be in a pay scale thing, which led me to believe to think that it was there was a somebody had a list of like quarterback money like what they were all making this year and Burrow's like way down. Yeah. And he like drew a line to the top of where Burrow's going to go, which made me think maybe it was imminent. But they've got something worked. I mean, we'd have time, a little bit more yeah. time to, to talk about it right now. He's not out there on the field doing full practice. So, yeah. So what you'll probably see is you'll have the teams practice through Thursday, and then they will release the guys for the long weekend. So the guys will go away Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, report back to work. So that's that's they're going to get a couple of days off. You will remember a couple of years ago. This is when, uh, just to tell you how fast time flies. This is when Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Austin Hooper went to the Yellowstone Club outside of Bozeman, Montana. This was that weekend. That that two days they, is when they went out there. Well, at least they had good times while it lasted for them. I saw Baker and OBJ hug this weekend. They played in a preseason game. Thinking that's got to be the most fake conversation and hug in the history of football. Well, how you doing, right man? Yeah, it's great. You look great because it's a bigger story if they don't say anything. It's like, but they like had a conversation. It looked like they were actually enjoying each other. It was so strange because knowing everything that was going on behind the scenes there. Um, so that's kind of where you stand. We also had C.J. Stroud named a starter in Houston. I guess I didn't realize that that hadn't happened yet. I mean, it, it it seemed like it had happened without like it officially being named because he was getting all the the reps with the ones he started all three preseason games yeah. and they 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 treated him like a starter too like he didn't play the entire time they they took him out after a couple of series in one he played like the whole first half in the second one same thing you know limited time yesterday so uh, yeah but the fact that they have to go out and be like yeah it's it's going to be Stroud thanks. I was really wondering if Davis Mills was going to get the nod after you used the second overall pick on this guy. He looked good. Stroud? Tossed a touchdown yeah. pass yeah. yesterday. Finally, yeah. Yeah, he looked good. I think That's it's just going to be... Yeah, I just don't think he's going to have any protection. They don't really have weapons there. It's survival. But it's, it's a good... It I, I think it's a overall good spot because the expectations aren't going to be there. No, I, I think the thing that's going to be hard for them is can he survive this year... And then they don't have they don't have their number one. They have the Browns number one still for next year, but they don't have their number one because they they went all in on Will Anderson. So that that's the only thing that's a little tricky is like they could they could have improved this thing dramatically right away with it's just a big gamble on Anderson. Anderson's gonna have to be great. 
in order to justify the pick. But are we looking at, yeah, more of like what Justin Fields had to go through where they didn't really have anything around him, didn't have enough to put things around him in year two. Right. And now finally in year three, it looks like he's going to have some weapons that he can play with or as CJ Stroud. Yeah. Might be in a similar situation where it might not be until year three that he really has a team that looks like it can compete on an NFL level consistently. Well, speaking of fields, if they do actually put wheels on him, you know, there's a chance. Then you guys see like the table read, for the 2023 NFL schedule or the no. NFL season. What's yeah. he doing? They did a commercial um, for the NFL Network. And okay. it was, uh, who's the guy, who's the comedian that looks like uh, James Franklin? Uh, Keegan Michael Key. He was running the table <laughs> raid where they gave everybody scripts of the 2023 NFL season. Okay. So it had Jalen Ramsey, it had Patrick Mahomes in on like okay. a Zoom call, and they were doing it like a Game of Thrones table read. They're like, what if in week two, Jamar <laughs> Chase caught it with just his body? He didn't have arms. <laughs> Nice. It's pretty and good so out of field, them, though. Fields is, they say if he had, they had, he had wheels. Fields asks, he's like, what if I had actual wheels instead of legs? How do you sell the line? That's pretty good. Pretty good actor? Yeah. Okay. So they're in a writer's room pitching pitching ideas I for pitching their ideas for their, Yeah, for 2023. How about the fact that the Dallas Cowboys traded for Trey Lance? So for a four, he's, he's a young dude, really young. Um then they, they did a really cool thing in that they gave Will Greer, who they're going to cut, they gave him the entire game, the entire preseason, the last preseason game. And he was great, threw for 350 yards and was was awesome in the game. Um, but they have traded for Trey Lance. I thought for sure that it would be Minnesota that go home, eventual succession plan for Cousins, stability, all of that. Instead, it's Jarrah who goes for Trey Lance. And honestly, like... If I were Lance, I know that like living in Dallas is going to be great and no state tax and all of that. That feels like just an awful place to be curated and try to get your get your your career back on track um, with Mike McCarthy. And I'm not even sure because Kellen Kellen Moore's not there anymore, isn't he? In no, he's in L.A. The, yeah, he's Chargers. In the Chargers. He's yeah, offense. Who's, no, who's the offensive coordinator in Dallas? Cowboys now, offensive coordinator. I know it's McCarthy yeah, now, probably that? officially, but like, how are they going to bring him along? Brian Schottenheimer? Oh, God. Hell yeah, brother. So, yeah, it's just, oh, okay, geez. run that back. Keep that how going. Many, how can that guy get another job? I don't know. I'm trying to see where he said this, but I've got quotes that Jerry Jones said, quote, two years ago, we were looking at a Philadelphia quarterback, and everybody's pointing to Jerry Jones says he wanted to draft Jalen Hurts. I don't know if this is worse or better with Schottenheimer, but apparently last year he was a consultant with the team. So clearly he's being brought along by having friends on the coaching staff. And then they just go, they lose a a young offensive coordinator that most people think is pretty good because what did McCarthy say? Oh, he's really just worried about scoring points on offense. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds so bad. They should run the ball more often when I want to run the ball, I guess. So that's what, I guess that's what Schottenheimer's going to do for him. Yeah. I'll just do what you want. You gave me the job anyways. I would say that, you know, that the, I can't, you know, Mike McCarthy, I would think is, is on a very short leash in Dallas. Um, because they, in this NFC, they are, they've got to go. At one point, does Jerry, Jerry Jones just step in and say, you know what? I'll be the head coach. Damn it. Well, he's got an Amazon series. There are Netflix series that he pitched. That would create tremendous content. That'd be good content if Jerry just coached the team. My favorite Jerry thing ever was the, uh, the two days when he, wouldn't wait on his son at the chopper yeah. to go to the game. 
Remember that? Like Steven was late getting to the chopper and he's like, blank him. We're going. Also, like, I'm in, not waiting. Yeah. The, he had tremendous stuff in the hard knocks. Remember when he had, he had like a McGriddle or something and poured an entire packet of salt on it. Yeah. Because when I'm eating McDonald's, all I think is, not man, this so- is not salty enough. <laughs> not enough sodium in this. Let's hit three things on a Monday up next. Bishop and friends right here on the fan. This promo is brought to you by Common Man and Timmy Hall's Ping Pong Game. The Fan. Producers. Co-hosts. Friends. Some of those things are true. You're listening to Big Up and Friends. Hi, Reese. What are you on the poll today? The Daily Fan Poll sponsored by Dick Masheter Ford. And today's asks, which team wins the Big Ten West this season? And presumptively the final year of the Big Ten West. Forever, yeah. maybe. Well, we don't know, do we, I guess? Nope. Well, I guess they haven't really made a declarative thing since they added Oregon and Washington, what it's all going to be. Yeah. I mean, they actually could do a West now. An actual West. Or yeah. get Legends and Leaders back. Everyone had fun with those. That was a joy. 79% right? of respondents to the Daily Fan Poll sponsored by Dick Mashett or Ford are on Wisconsin. Uh, 5% say Minnesota. 11% say Iowa. 4% say other, but fail to provide another team. What the other would be. <laughs> By the way, the school song at Wisconsin is on Wisconsin. Ah. There you go. All right, three things. Go. One, two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. Saturday, second uh, second league game for Bootsy. We're in a um, we're in a, a one-score game going into half. It's fourth down and goal. This is the last play of the half because they stop it at 10 seconds to get one play. So it's fourth down. I call a play for another kid. The kid goes, I don't I don't want it. I don't want the ball. I don't want it. I go, Boosie goes, I do, I do, I do. Okay. I looked at him and said, well, you you better get in. You better score. So we call the play, and he scores. He reaches in. My guy then spikes it, hits the gritty, Comes back to the huddle. I'm like, knock it off. No gritty. Stop it. Comes back to the huddle. Goes, Dad, I'm him. I'm him. Oh, for God's sakes. I what feel, have we done? I feel like the gritty has ran the course of the, the dab. Not for him. Like it needs I agree to with you. Oh, oh, no. I agree. I'll, I'll let you tell him that. Well, there Chops. has to be a new thing, I guess. Because what was the, the flossing that kids were doing in just a few years ago? Oh, that, that was, was everywhere. That was awful. Yeah. I think as long as Jamar Chase still hits the gritty, and I saw him hitting it at practice the other day, I think as long as that happens, the kids are still going to want to do it. First one for me, uh, you know, it wasn't a whole swarm of people, but there was one guy who recognized me. At the uh, at the yes. Central Dublin Kaufman game, he was coming up the stairs and he kind of he kind of looked at me. So I just kind of like nodded my head and said hi. I don't know. I didn't know what was going on. Maybe he just caught my eye or something. But then he then he then he got to like my step where I was sitting and he kind of turned and he goes, "Are you Chops?" <laughs> and Let's I was like, go. "Yes, I am." He's like, "Oh, I heard you talking about it on the radio. I didn't realize you went to Centerville. So we talked for a minute and I was like, "This is Jayla." And he's like, "Oh yeah, you talk about her all the time." But yeah, she hates how it. How happy was she about that? She hates it, of course. Perfect. But, but I loved it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Uh, my first she hates it, but I loved it. <laughs> my first thing, uh, Ohio quarterback Curtis Rourke quote is on schedule to go Saturday as the Bobcast host Bobcats host Long Island uh, tip of the cap okay. to WOUB sports director Aiden Crowley for that information. He said it about a half hour ago, and my gut reaction was, do they need him to beat Long Island? But then I thought, look, he's missed a lot of time yeah, with an ACL injury. It's like, yeah, you get those reps in and beat Long Island? Yeah, you got to. I, I think you got to do that. Um, number two for me. So 
every once in a while, and I, I don't pretend to be any sort of musical savant in any way, but I remember vividly an episode of Yellowstone where they were at like a fairground and a guy was playing music at, on like a stage. And I remember thinking like, that's pretty good, right? And I, I wonder who that is. So I did some research months ago and it was, it turns out it was a guy named Zach Bryan. Now I, I don't have any point of reference on Zach Bryan, but I just heard it on this, on the episode and went that I feel like he's pretty good and I've really liked his stuff. So come to find out, I guess he's, so apparently he's like the number one guy in country music now. Um, he dropped an album over the weekend, like every song went to the top of the, of the, of the, of the charts. So it was like nice affirmation that you do, you can hear things that sound good and it does work in the populace as well. So, uh, good job out of me on that one. Second one for me, ESPN. They're just having some fun out there, but they tweeted a few days ago that 29 years ago, Bulgaria's Victor Krum made the controversial decision to catch the snitch and end the Quidditch World Cup final on his own terms. The finish gave the victory to Ireland 170 to 160. So catching the snitch just ends the game. And generally, if you catch it, you win because it's worth 150 points. So by that final score of 170 to, to 160, they were down 170 to 10. Before he caught the snitch, it sounds like Victor Crum has uh, Mike Trout energy that despite being the best player in the world, his team isn't all that good. <laughs> None of that made any damn sense to me, but God bless you. Uh, so back to the Mac where oh, uh, Miami University located in Oxford is going to be taking on uh, the U down in Coral Gables on That's September right. 1st. And at his press availability, this looks like a couple of days ago, Red Hawks quarterback Brett Gabbert, yes, brother of Blaine Gabbert, was oh. asked, the real Miami is where? And he said, Oxford, Ohio. We'll show them September 1st. No, you won't. So. No, you won't. Uh, number three for me. So we apparently this year, we always do like a, a pool party with the football team before the season. Apparently this year, one of the rules from the organization was, well, you have to invite the cheerleaders as well. They didn't think that through. Okay. Sixth graders, pool party, co-ed. I mean, it was like Panama City Beach, MTV Spring Break. Like all that was missing was a fog machine to watch these little animals operate. Did not think that one through. Were you the uh, the VJ for it out there? No, spinning dude, records my, and stuff? Dude, I was uncomfortable the entire time. <laughs> um, last one for me. I have a buddy who revealed to me this weekend that he thinks Keno is completely rigged, that it keeps track of what numbers are out there and everything. And I'm like, yeah, but most people do the random numbers. And, like, how would you ever know if you are getting the numbers that are less represented so that it's le- like it, it just the, like, computational power that it would take to do that beyond just – doing a random number generator just wouldn't be worth it for the state. They make money off it anyways. I, I believe that it is fully random. This is one of the funnier things from over the weekend. So Messi had a goal uh, in inner Miami's win over the New York Red Bulls, but didn't speak with the media after the game, a clear violation of major league soccer rules. And there was some scuttlebutt made about it over the past 48 hours. But why? <laughs> He's messy. He's messy. He does what he wants. Come on. There is the except. Like people are like, yo, there shouldn't be an exception. He is the exception, friends. Yeah. He doesn't want to break the MLS wheel. He is the wheel to steal a line from Denarius Targaryen. Enjoy your Monday, kids. We're back tomorrow. Rothman and Ice up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. Here's a listener tweet. Can I tase Common Man in the nuts? Fine by us, but he may like it. Common Man and Tebow. Weekdays from three to six. The fan.
It's a fan action update. Victor Hovland takes the $18 million bonus at Golf's Tour Championship. That would pay for a lot of good parlays. It's back-to-back tournament victories for Victor. He came into the tournament two shots back of Scotty Scheffler and started the tournament at 5-1 to one odds. The next big golf event of the year will be the Ryder Cup. Team USA is minus 150. Europe is plus 150. For your action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.